This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniel's Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and kaiju a go-go. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles. Hey there, CrossRip listeners. Welcome to the final CrossRip for June 2016. It's also the final CrossRip episode before we have a new Ghostbusters movie to talk about. Yes, next week for July 4th weekend, we have something special planned for you. But this week, grab a snack. We've got a long episode. We have Andrew Schaefer, the author of Ghosts from Our Past. We also have Eric Burnham, the author of Tobin's Spirit Guide. It's a long one, so let's do it. Still playing with toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So great. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key man? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. It's recording day. It's recording day. <laughs> the new phone books are here. Um... Yeah, I I feel like I usually wake up every morning with that, but I don't know. Uh, after a few a few days of certain things that are going on, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess we still have to do this, huh? The podcast. Well, uh, I have that, and I just came back from a week long business trip where my brain was just dialed up to oh, eleven man. the entire time. You're uh, so all right. This is going to be great. I'm I'm cranky and your brain is fried. We're gonna have a really good show. <laughs> It'll but, uh, be perfect. Yeah, but hey, everybody, welcome, welcome to the CrossRip, the uh, most controversial podcast on the internet, according to one guy. Um, but anyway, I won't get into it. Uh, hey, it's no. good to have you back, though, Chris. I I struggled yes. without you last week. Did you? No, well, it sounded good. I, I was telling Craig that I felt like the Micro Machines guy. Like, when I when I listened back to it, I was trying to be rapid fire and get through it, but instead I just was going, going, going without taking a breath, and somebody somewhere was like, jeez, man, and turned it off in the first 10, 15 minutes. There was no way. You were missing the 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 draggy weight of me as a no as no i was missing i was missing to slow the, you down it's the you know it's the mick jagger keith richards it's the the lead and rhythm we were you know we, well, we figured right. this we figured this format out and then without <laughs> you i'm like uh, uh <laughs> oh god uh. well it's kind of like when i did the christmas thing i'm kind of like where's the guy who knows stuff where's the guy who's organized this sucks but the music was fantastic on that episode yeah it covered uh, I replaced you with music. I was, yeah, that's fine. It happens. But uh, but hey, so yeah, it's good to have you back. We've got a really full show. We've got some news. We've got two, two in-world authors for the price of, well, none. Uh, we've got Andrew Schaefer, who has written Ghosts from Our Past, uh, uh-huh. out tomorrow. And then we've got Eric Burnham, who is the man behind Tobin's Spirit Guide, who, that, that book's already out. Uh, some people got it like four weeks ago. Amazon yeah, really all the books are everywhere. Yeah, I mean that's the last week I mentioned it. All of my pre-orders for the novelization, everything shipped like last Tuesday, two Tuesdays ago. Now, when you hear this, um, and and they weren't supposed to come out till like June twenty eighth. Uh, it's so weird, but um, so yeah. So Tobin Spirit Guide out and Ghost from Our Past is coming out tomorrow, and we've got both of the authors here. 
Um, but before that, we're going to do some news because, you know, we're shills and we like to pander and praise or something like that. Those aren't direct words. So let's let's get into some news. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Zoza. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Let's lead off with the big news here, Chris. The big, big news, Ghostbusters Ecto Force. Oh, I um, thought it was going to be Stay Puft Twinkies, but okay. Stay, Stay Puft Twinkies go. very big. No, 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 that's also fine. Very big. I mean, if that's a big twink, I get, you know, it's a big Twinkie. But okay, the cartoon. Let's start with the cartoon because this... Animated. Let's animated, say animated. Yeah, cartoon, animated series. It cartoon made, suggests doodle and we don't... You True. No, yet. Yeah, we have no idea if this is CG, if it's cell animation. I mean, odds are it is probably a, either a hybrid of both or fully CG because that's kind of the direction that everything goes now. But um, but yeah, 2018 Ghostbusters Ecto Force, the new series, is coming out and it's going to be set 30 years in the future, in the year 2050. Um, why? Why do you think that is, Chris? What What do they get out of moving the show thirty years into the future? Is it do, does that move. free some space? Yeah, room to move, room to play around with stuff. Um, as we're seeing already, they're making a reboot, which is supposed to be it's different, so we can play around with stuff, and all people do is sit around and compare it to what came before. Right. Uh, so move it uh, thirty years in the future. It kind of opens up the can, as a couple people pointed out, all the way back to Dan Aykroyd's uh, first script, like Ecto, you know, dematerializing and flying and who knows, right? Yeah, like it just and all really... of the it well, it's it's all of the the international groups too. It's, this is sort of the Ghostbusters international uh, idea that Ivan Reitman alluded to in the Empire magazine, right? Where he was saying, "Look, yeah. there's tons of lore all over the world," and that kind of filled that. it. That kind of filled it in because we assumed that meant TV show, and it is a TV show. But we thought, you know, people. Yeah, and it's not. It's going to be. It's separate from whatever this animated movie thing they're working on is. But I mean, the, um, the timeline makes sense. That if uh, let's say t- 2016, assuming that the movie takes place right here and right now, 30 years from now, that's when they've franchised out, and all of these franchisees have you know, started their own business and they've got their own technology and it's branched out internationally. I mean, that, that makes sense. 30 years to build that business out. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Well, uh, that and the, oh yeah, absolutely. If you're going to grow to international, yeah, you need at least 30 years. Um, it also, that and the name goes back to the old lawsuit stuff. Right. Um, right. The real which, Ghostbusters. Which people forget, right? So first one, uh, Filmation sues, gets the right to keep Ghostbusters is a name for their cartoon shows. And Columbia cheats by calling it Real Ghostbusters. And then it came time to do another one, and they cheated by calling it Extreme Ghostbusters. So it's pretty clear that every time they do a new TV show, they're going to have to call it dot, dot, dot. Something, Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to put a suffix or a prefix on it there uh, somewhere. In this case, they went subtitle. Ghostbusters. Ectoforce. Ectoforce, which is, I mean, it reminds me of the old Kenner toys, like the uh, Ectoforce, Ectoglow, <laughs> that ecto-hyphenated something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> is again, a very predictable group of people and a interesting overlap into the, the people who were, uh, you know, looking forward to the new movie, uh, kind of joined that, the, that camp and went, that's dumb. And it's like, well, yeah, it's 
not for you. Uh, yeah, sorry. well, interesting <laughs> point because that it, it, the press release explicitly says this will skew this younger. This is for kids and kids love it. it. Sounds great on a toy. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to break it to you. Everybody have a seat. Everybody got a drink. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is a really dumb name to adults. <laughs> like, That's very true. That's very my, true. My mom and dad bought my brother a lot of He-Man and the Master of the Universe, and they didn't get that as a title. He loved it. Well, do you think, okay, does that mean that we're going to get into, like, Slimer and the real Ghostbusters territory here with this? That it's going to no. skew so much younger that it's going to be off-putting because that's that's what the evolution cartoon did for me did you ever see that i can't i think it was called evolution colon something as well no i never saw that it kind of it came out about the same time as ghostbusters and men in black and i feel like it was also bobot the same animation company but uh, that's neither here nor there so but it, it was so it was skewed so young that like all of the characters had superpowers and it didn't tie into the movie at all really um, so, I mean, that's, that's my biggest fear is that this is going to be so bonkers off the wall or so skewed younger that, you know, you and I will watch and be like, well, eh, all right, we're done. Um, uh, no. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, cause it has the word force in the title. That means it kind of skews to a, a young to a certain point and then stops. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't go into, you know, um, uh, they're still trying to sell action figures here too. Yeah. Like, God, exactly. what is what is the age for action figures anymore now? Like eight to thirteen. Yeah. Six to thirteen. I don't know exactly. And then but, thirty to uh, sixty-five. But Slimer um, and the Real Ghostbusters was like six and under, right? Let's you know, it was Muppet Babies level stuff. Yeah, but that I mean, because uh, that that's the only sort of red flag that was raised to me because. That, that's the whole reason that real Ghostbusters changed and shifted, right? Because everybody's like, what is this? We're, we're scaring the crap out of kids. <laughs> we need to, we need to skew this a little longer. Uh, they love the Slimer. We got to highlight the Slimer and make this for the kids. Um, um, I yeah. feel like that was like an ABC note or whenever it moved from syndication into ABC. So I, I'm, I'm just hoping that it doesn't go in that direction. I don't think so too. Cause the other thing we have to keep in mind is they're trying to build up the franchise and as they keep pointing out this is you know this is not going to be the new movie is not going to be citizen kane it's pg-13 meaning parental guidance up to the age of 13 so we can assume you know parents with a little bit of humming and hawing will bring in their kids as young you know some of them as young as eight yeah meaning that in two years time they are smack dab in the middle of the demographic to watch a new regular cartoon show and go buy the toys at which point, later that fall or the year after, the animated movie comes out. The yeah. sequel to this one comes out. Was that 2019 now? I can't remember what the release date. Was it 2018? 2018, okay, so. yeah. But, I mean, presumably, again, because of Ghost Core, all of this stuff is supposed to tie together. So that animated movie is going to probably be set in between maybe 2050 and today. Or, you know, I, I maintain that that's going to be the bridge movie that's going to bring anything and everything together. Like. Ghostbusters well, forever or whatever. Yeah. Well, this is the thing too, is that once you go that far into the future, you get to do lots of weird stuff and it may be the solution to let's tie everything together by setting it, you know, 30 years in the future. We can, we can have whatever universes meet and cross over and, you know, we can borrow all the technology we want from all over the place. We can pull a Dan Shoning, a Dapper Dan Shoning and, we'll just let it play out there, right? We can mix and match it up there and it's fine because it's in the future and 
Yeah, and it doesn't affect don't, the movies. We obviously. don't have to rationalize it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's that's just it. Then you can, like I say, you roll it all out as you build the franchise. You got it's it demographically it feels timed for exactly that. New movie comes out. Uh, it's going to be a while before anybody uh, you know talks to sequel and or the animated movie coming right. out. Right. So start pumping out a TV show in. Okay, so summer 2016, new movie comes out, home video by Christmas time. You got a kind of a big gap in 2017. Yeah, 2017's kind of dark. Yeah, but but they're filling it with merch as fast as they can. Yes. So, yeah, and we're uh, gonna get to that in a second here too. Um, and we don't know what else they might may or may not have on the docket too. Um, yeah, I but, mean, keep, keeping our our show's theme in mind, maybe more books are going to come in. Those are a little easier on a turnaround time, so maybe those are in the works or something. Yeah, well, for example, yeah. we know the little golden books don't come out until September. There right, is going to be stuff right. that bridges in 2017. It might be slightly lean. They'll fill that up with news as to what's coming in 2018, like Ecto Force. We'll start to they'll fill 2017 with stuff that we'll see it coming, all that. Uh, and who knows? They may, you know, it may pan out that they get their way that they get to pull the trigger on something live action of a smaller budget, uh, which yeah. you can actually go from zero to green light inside of a year and start pumping it out. You know, yeah, I mean those. Fall. Yeah, those fall TV shows start filming, you know, for now ish, um, and then come out in September. So there's there's a yep. strong possibility something happens at the beginning of next year, and it's out they'll, by next exactly. fall. They'll so. have they'll have the rest of 2016 to stare at the new movie and the home video, and you know the world box office, and decide what to do there. So this is what it feels like. It feels like they're they got their stepping stones. Yeah, lined so. Up. So not uh, not too much information outside of that press release, which kind of came right before the big licensing expo in Vegas. Um, you know, again, speaking of the toy buying age, uh, that <laughs> there was no coincidence there that they released that uh, press release right before the licensing expo. No. <laughs> um, so a lot of handshakes and a lot of deals were probably made uh, in Las Vegas uh, last week. But um, so, yeah, so more information on that coming soon. Um, let's talk soundtrack because last week I sort of, uh, you know, I, again, micro machines, man, uh, said, Hey, soundtrack came out. There was a, a lot of tracks and there's four of them that are ghostbusters. Okay. Bye. Uh, you and I didn't get to chat about them. Um, what, no. uh, what were your impressions of the lineup here on all, let's see, four, 14 tracks that are coming out on this soundtrack. I recognize very few of the names. Uh, agreed. Yeah. So agreed. I can't speculate too much on them. Um, I do like. The four cover thing, yeah. Um, so there's the four the four covers. It's walk no, the sorry, moon. Three, three, three covers, covers and then the original. And original, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, walk the moon, pentatonics, the um, uh, Fallout Boy with Missy Elliott, and then Ray Parker Jr.'s original theme, kind of closing it all out. But uh, yeah, original theme there because I think they're gonna touch on it all over the place like we saw in the trailer there's that yeah. little ice cream truck one it's just the theme is obviously going to show up so many different places throughout the movie they're just, they'll run that at the end credits or something that's yeah I, that's I my hope knowing that it's the last position on the album that maybe they sort of replicate the end credits from the first two movies where that yeah. that's what brings it on home exactly yeah. podcast bet um podcast bet i think pentatonics will actually be like singing in the subway or something as a cameo Oh, that's good. So Pentatonics, they're, they're like an acapella group, right? Yeah. Um, that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. I only know of them 
Because they've been on Sesame Street. Oh, uh, see, there you go. This is my life now, Troy. Sesame Street. This is Street. my life now. Uh, they're great. They're really good. Actually, it's it's almost like a, a a vocal super group, if that makes any sense. Like they they're all high powered vocalists in their own rights, doing various things. You know, they're what am I trying to think? They're the traveling Wilburys of of mm. of of uh, solo voice work yeah. sort of thing. And they come together and they, uh, yeah, they just, oh, they just knock it out of the park. I, I feel like I've seen them maybe on like that Ben Folds acapella of reality show at one point, but um, yeah. But yeah. They sound great. Like there's really, really good stuff. Um, and then, well, so Zane, I obviously know now. I didn't know Zane before, but the deafening <laughs> roar on social media really <laughs> alerted me who the hell Zane is. You there, 13-year-old uh, girl. Explain Zane to me. <laughs> oh, my God, Zane. No, I mean, all right, I know One Direction. I don't. I, I couldn't hum any bars from any One Direction songs uh, that I could tell you on the spot, but uh, I would not be able to tell you that Zane was a member in One Direction uh, to save my life. So that was that was, was a new one to me. Yeah, it was a sad conversation of, they're like, he's from One Direction? I don't know. Oh, God, I'm old, uh, huh? I'm she's old. going backwards. You know, it just goes backwards all the way to... Uh, Boys to Mint? No. Um, <laughs> just just keeps rolling. I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, okay. there's there's that like five seconds of summer and Zane. I'm like, I, I know that they're a big deal for other people. I'm maybe not among that group. I'm, I might be. I mean, look how many songs are on the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack from like artists that I don't really like. I don't have any Elton John albums, which is kind of embarrassing. Everybody should have an yeah. Elton John album, right? But like, yeah, not necessarily. Um, well, not after, you know, alligator rock or something like that, but yeah, yeah, like post eighties. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing that there's thoughts. It couldn't get any worse. It's like, (laughs) do you not remember the first two soundtracks? Like, yeah. How big of an air supply fan are you? Honestly, like just, we've talked about too, that like really air supply. eh. So what I like though, is that there is a nice mix. I mean, I, I think if maybe your musical tastes got, you know, locked down ten years ago, you may have a you may have a problem. Yeah. But if some part of your musical taste has kind of evolved along with popular music, it, it, some genre somewhere, there's going to be something in it. Yeah. For you. So for me, uh, I love the L King, and I love the uh, Young Gerald and uh, what's he calling himself there? How do I how do Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah. Yeah, the G Easy. Uh, that uh, one. Yeah, the, that we actually didn't get to talk about. We played it on coming. the show, but we never said that we listened to it. I, I it's catchy, man. I actually really dig that. Oh, song. I love that one. That one's way more it towards the center of my my listening Venn diagram. I but love. That's, L. King it's obviously death. very different than L King. It's obviously very different than like a Mark Ronson uh, song as well. I'm I'm assuming what the Mark Ronson song is going to sound like just based on the Bruno Mars song that I know. <laughs> the one. You know? Yeah, he's um, well, yeah, he's got a, a taste for old funk and R&B and, yeah. you know, run through the modern uh, producer cut and paste engineering sort of thing. He's he's a real expert at that. This one is way more of a, uh, well, it's a solid club track is what it comes down to. Like just, uh, I'm not familiar with young Gerald, but I, I am down. 
Yeah. With yeah. his rhymes. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, Jeremiah doing, you know, great doing the, the bridges and all that. I love that uh, Ray Parker Jr. has writing credit on it because they incorporated. <laughs> they use, yeah. Uh, they use lines of, of the uh, Ghostbusters theme. I mean, that, so that's the thing that stands out to me here is all of the tracks that are called Ghost something, like Get Ghost, Ghosted, Ghostbusters. Like, I, I feel like this is a return to the uh, soundtrack album actually detailing events that happen in the movie. You know, the, I mean, there's, there's no like city of crime dragnet rap here with Dan Aykroyd <laughs> and Tom Hanks, but like <laughs> dragnet. <laughs> Sorry. Art of noise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, get like get ghost. Uh, I feel like that's probably going to say that's that's going to be the on our own uh, rap where they call the Ghostbusters uh, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, a lot a lot more referencing the movie than the f- the second one had a lot of referencing the movie throughout all the tracks versus the first one, which only had a few, and then yeah, the rest were just like sort of- saving the day and magic were pretty on the nose. I would say. Yeah, saving the day was magic was just kind of thematic. Oh, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, I guess that's there. true. That was thematic. Uh, the bus boy spoke directly to it. Ray Parker Jr. spoke directly to it. Um, the second one, though, like Spirit, uh, the two Bobby Brown tracks, Run DMC. We're back. Um, yeah. Flip City. Uh, yep, Flip City. So all of this stuff, which is kind of th- thematic itself, oh, too. Oh, the, the Oingo Boingo song. Yes. Which I think was a single specifically for Ghostbusters 2, wasn't it? Yeah, this one, I e- even saw it coming. Doesn't have ghost in the title, but it's quite obviously referencing yeah the detailing movie and stuff out. So, so that's great. Yeah, so that's that's coming July fifteenth. Um, so far, no previews of any of the, any any of the other songs, but no. uh, I'm sure that's coming as soon as it goes up on iTunes for pre order or something. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you can, however, go pick up uh, well, L King and uh, and Young Gerald, saw it coming. Yeah, which I've been playing the hell out of that and. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where iTunes went went nut, nuts on me. I was like, I would like, I would like that song, please. And they're like, you'd probably really like this Twenty One Pilots song from the Suicide Squad, wouldn't you? And I was like, I'm listening. <laughs> Go uh, on. And then I I got that, and they're like, you're also old, aren't you? And I was like, I don't like your, your tone of voice, <laughs> iTunes. And they're like, how about the Good Guys soundtrack? I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it, iTunes. But hey, yes, I mean, that, fine. Like, the soundtrack album is back, man. Like Deadpool, <laughs> I bought that. And yeah. so uh, there was a lull, like when movies would come out and I'd be like, ah, oh, the score was okay, but there's not really a soundtrack album. But like Suicide Squad, there's a bunch of big names on that album too. So. Oh, absolutely. And that 21 Pilots one is just, uh, yeah. heathens. I love playing the hell out of that one. So See, it's... I know I'm, I'm talking off franchise, but <laughs> no, that's all right. I but mean... that's the thing. I've been listening to a lot of soundtrack music and yeah. I haven't done that since ooh, grade 12. So... I mean, that, that sort of speaks worlds to what's going on this summer itself too. Star Trek and Ghostbusters yeah. and Suicide Squad and Civil uh, they, War. I think, and I think this soundtrack is, is carefully placed as are a few others to get lots of radio play all across the, the various, um, what do they call it? Uh, programming formats, uh, yeah. of various radio stations. Yeah. So, so every format station can say like, here's L King, here's Mark Ronson here, you know, and, and, and it's get that, working. I mean, you, yeah. you were excited there a couple of weeks back that L King was on the top of the, you know, right on the iTunes chart. She's at yeah, 21 now. Yeah, I mean it's the And not the, only that, I kept looking. I was like, "Huh, I wonder if uh I wonder if, you know, the young Gerald songs and all that there." No, but Ray Parker Jr is at number 50. 
Oh, you're kidding me. Like, no. like Ray Parker Jr.'s original single? The original Ghostbusters sing- uh, single oh is uh, yeah, at number 50 on hey. uh, iTunes singles. Wow. So how wonderful is that, right? Yeah, go Ray Parker Jr. You can put in another pool or a tennis court or something, man. Go, <laughs> go get it. Uh, you can afford the Nas collection of <laughs> yes. sunglasses. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, let's uh, let's keep the Ghostbusters 2016 news going here, and then we'll get into a little bit of merch stuff. Um, trailer came out, Trailer 7 that we alluded to uh, at the beginning of uh, last week. Um, it is not online as of this recording and I don't think it will be online. It's a very interesting trailer that's sort of, uh, I guess, specifically tied to finding Dory. Um, I didn't see it. I went to go see finding Dory with my wife on Saturday and it was not attached to it, but everybody that did see it said it's pretty much what we've seen in other trailers, if not a little bit watered down for a younger audience. Um, I will never know because I am telling you right now after that first burst not last maybe it was last week oh, of the last tv week, spots of the tv spots yeah, that man. just kept growing like the first four i was like that's oh that's cool and then they just kept rolling and i'm like oh, no yeah no, that's, no 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 I, more no more yeah i feel like that that was immediately when i put the blinders up uh on stuff just to kind of go dark um but uh but i mean the posters and the print ads that are coming out are good that they're not spoilerific which is nice um billboards are beautiful yeah the billboards are great the bus ad is great there's a train out there that's great um you can uh, uh buses are uh, the local vancouver buses have the similar one to the the train even Oh, with the, 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 the banner, the Ghostbusters. Oh, that's awesome. Test. I'm going to tell you now, and sh- all of you, uh, John, all of you out there in LA, please enjoy the billboards because what people don't understand is <laughs> Hollywood is a little insulated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it really likes to, uh, well, let's just say it really likes to show off for their stars. To that end, you guys get amazing. Uh, postering billboards, everything that the world, rest of the world will never see, because it's designed specifically for for Melissa McCarthy or whomever to right. be driving down Sunset and go, "It's me." Yeah, they're uh, nowhere else. People do often <laughs> refer to them as vanity billboards here in LA, but um, but I mean, it's it it's publicity for the movie, but it's also publicity for the stars, the director, the people that are still trying to get their next job out here. Yeah. It's, you well, know, it makes a lot well, of sense. Well, here's the thing. It, it does make a lot of sense because you also have an equivalent amount of, of Hollywood reporting in the same area too. So right. Right. Fair's fair. Yeah. So you uh, want mean, to get that notoriety on the, the blogs and variety and Hollywood reporter, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I yeah. suspect, I suspect you could, pretty much draw a fairly strong correlation between uh, media locations and the amount of high profile stuff they've put out there. Like New York and Times Square has probably got some stuff coming if it hasn't yeah. already. And where the um, critics are, are usually uh, congregated exactly. around as well. So Chicago's yeah. probably got quite a few. Um, what I, <laughs> sorry, having just been there, the one that made me laugh is uh, uh, the rock central intelligence. Save the world, you need, uh, was it, a little heart and a big Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It makes me laugh. The Deadpool billboards really set the bar pretty high out here in terms of what you can do and what you can't do. Um, This one, these ones, classy. Nothing. It's just... Ghost, just, it's it's not even saying... It doesn't even say Ghostbusters. It says the logo and then answer the call 
and, and then, then the characters fantastic shots yeah. of of the team that uh high contrast you know very saturated slightly saturated color really pops right yeah and they I build mean, out of the rectangles too in some of them so it's and it's kind of based off of the international posters which okay so there've been multiple international posters let's talk about the first <laughs> one that came out because Whoa, dude, it. I hated that thing. Um, I, I mean, I thought that it was a Photoshop. It initially leaked out from an Australian um, a theater chain and it came up in their Instagram and it looked to me like maybe they had just cropped something to fit into the, you know, f- four by four square for Instagram. Um, yeah. Like Kate McKinnon, um, like Holtzman is photoshopped out and she's standing on the car. I don't know why people insist on making the Ghostbuster stand on the car. It drives me crazy. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I, I stopped guessing at that stuff because in some cases it's it's the style. Like it works. Like it works. I mean, it, it is. It's for, a cool. For that area. I mean, look at look at the um, look at the, you, the, like, the Power Rangers poster. It's it's they're all standing on top of the car. It's cool. Yeah, I've never stood on top of a car in my life, but apparently no. it's the cool thing to do. Well, you go looking at like Chinese movie posters and all that. You're kind of like, wow, that is so markedly different from the way we do posters here. So yeah. I don't read into it so, too much. I and to that end, though, I I technically am international, and ours are different. So, well, yeah, so there's, okay. So there's also two variations. Well, wait, so before we move on from the really gaudy, um, international poster that came out, I have to finish the rant. I think it was temp. I don't think that was a final poster that leaked out because, um, Chad Paulson's website is on the bottom of it. It says ghostbusters.net. Like they had a bunch of for placement only text on the bottom of the poster. And so I'm wondering if this leaked out from like Sony pictures UK or something. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. Yeah. Like the other international posters are fantastic. The ones where they have the proton streams and there's like the, they're in times square. It's, I mean, and Kevin is making the same pose. That's like the tie one that, but that Paul Feig tweeted out. Um, but then the other one that we have is the bus ad, which is a lot classier. They're all on the ground. Nobody's standing on the car. Um, and that's the one that, uh, John, uh, Yakurba, I'm, I'm blanking on his last name. Is yeah. that his last name? John Yakurba of the, the Southland guys, Yakuba. Yakuba. He, he posted that one and that one looks great. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the four of them with Kevin and a five shot, uh, with the car behind them. Yeah. I feel like that's what that poster was supposed to be. Is that what you guys have up, uh, that's have what up we in have Vancouver? Up oh. yeah. As a matter as a matter of fact, I I left work. I uh, turned on. I, I set the the two st- uh, the uh, young Gerald to replay because I just wanted to listen <laughs> to it over and over and over again. And I get two blocks away, and as I'm turning the corner, I look over the bus, and sure enough, there's the bus. There it right is. There. While you're playing the song. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. But remember, they're not promoting it at all. No, no, no. They're not promoting it because they're scared of it. Yeah. It's hey. um, it's the closest thing to what the original posters were, which was team in uniform, standing, you know, not doing anything fancy, just standing together, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they kind of obviously uh, <laughs> went, well, we, we paid for Chris Hemsworth, so... <laughs> Put him on the poster. Put him on the poster. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously promoting the crap out of this movie because it comes out in like three weeks now, which is insane to me. But um, progressive insurance, those ads are out there, and I've never really been a fan of Flo and her cheese ball ads. But How man, dare you? I know everybody loves her. I'm not a fan, but my mom 
dude, my mom saw this and I, it's the first time I've gotten a text from my mom where it's like, I just saw a progressive ad for Ghostbusters and a trailer for the movie. Like this is what got her attention. So, um, I forget the actress's name who plays Flo, but if I recall correctly, she's like a groundling. She is. Yeah. She's an improv uh, actor out here in LA. Yeah. And what I saw the first ad, somebody literally just phone taped it looking at their TV. Uh, and it was, it's ironically the one that never ended up on the progressives YouTube channel. Well, yeah, there's like three or four of them, there's right? Like three or four, yeah. There's yeah. like four of them. So there's the one where, uh, the longer one where, um, the secondary character, whatever chip or Chet or whatever, I don't know what his name is. Stevie, Bobby, <laughs> Chad, um, Kevin, Kevin. He, uh, he's dreaming that he's a ghostbuster and Flo is a ghost. And, uh, then they walk in on him in the in the progressive white space store. Yeah, and he's playing with action figures, uh, which was funny. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> this, funny. This, this is the, more of a baseballs joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and then they did other ones where she does like kind of a d- couple of different l- takes and lines, and they edit them. It's I like it. Yeah, that's I mean, it's <laughs> a, again, it's it's a progressive insurance ad, and you know, it's it's like the uh, the soccer one that they did out in Spain or Argentina. I think, yeah, uh, you know, it's it, it's very targeted. But um, well, I like the people going. I don't understand. What's this got to do with Ghostbusters? You mean the people that blow the hell out of things? <laughs> compared to the power washers this makes way more sense the uh the insurance claims i'm sure are uh are i mean look at the playing the ghostbusters video game you rack up the damage totals uh that's like an insurance broker's dream right there exactly well uh, here here here's the we now have to play the game will progressive be mentioned like will we see them in the movie because they actually do say they are the official insurance brokers of the Ghostbusters. Oh, much like Papa John's is the official pizza because we see those pizza. boxes all over the place, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Good good call. They might show up in the movie. But uh, Speaking uh, of, of ads all over the place, yeah, the Philippines, uh, all the deliveries uh, are made by guys on their mopeds, their Vespas, whatever you want to call them, and uh, they all have the, the hot boxes on the back for keeping the pizzas hot. And yeah, that's a perfect square to slap on a Ghostbusters Yeah, poster. it's got a Ghostbusters. And that's where those weird... Um, like ghost ball ghost things balls. were, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey. It just makes me laugh every time I say it. Ghost balls. Ghost balls. I, we, I don't know if that's a, f- a like just a Philippines thing or or well, if we're going to see them here. I know, or, like, in in, uh, in Colorado around Christmas time, my mom has these, like, snowballs that she puts out that they look a lot like that, like the big foam ball, of, like a, a bucket of them that you can, like, chuck at each other. I, th- yeah. that's what it reminds me of, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be here or not, because I don't know if there's a demand for that here. I don't know. That's I don't weird. know. There's again, going to kind of cultural preferences. I know a lot in, uh, Asia, the fast food items there tend to be way more over the top sometimes yeah. and, and way more geared towards collecting, uh, in that as in sets. Uh, as opposed to, so here, for example, Angry Birds came out and it was all, here's some of them and they're just the birds and here's some of them, they're the pigs that you set up and you know, they're little playsetty things. Whereas over there, a lot of the times it's little individual things and you got to, they're more, well, for lack of a better term, Pokemon-y. You got to get them all. Yeah. And yeah. that's what this felt like. Like there's something like 
12 or so of them. And there's nothing terribly remarkable about them, except that they're all entirely different. And that's the complete set. And that's kind of <laughs> what it feels like. It's like, please come to Papa John's if you want to get all 12 of these yeah. things. So or I'm at not least entirely, 12 pizzas. I'm not entirely sure we'll see them here, to be yeah. honest. Well, uh, stay tuned. I mean, we do know that uh, Papa John's is doing something. We just don't know what we don't uh, know here in North America. Yet. So stay, stay tuned on that. Um, let's talk about uh, Dan Aykroyd's appearance on Jay's Garage uh, before we get into merch here, because I thought that was really fun. Um, and then we'll also let's talk about the Graham Norton show thing, too. But um, Jay's Garage, Dan, uh, we knew that this was coming because the Ectomobile was out driving around Burbank and people were snapping selfies with Jay Leno and Dan Aykroyd in the car. Yeah, and we're all going, like what? Two months ago or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it, it was, was a while back. A while back. Um, but they did tell us that it would be airing in June. And sure enough, this past week it, it aired. Um, so the two of them, they it's it's funny because it starts in the Bluesmobile because the whole episode is... Um, uh, crime busters, uh, you know, uh, protecting, uh, the, the civilians and all of the people that bust bad guys. Um, yeah, exactly. So they are, they're at the police museum in LA and, uh, you know, Jay goes out and he does like a, a police cruiser, uh, trial run out on the testing ground. So it's right. ghostbusters was kind of shoehorned into this. Um, and the way that it starts out is Dan Aykroyd picks up Jay in the blues mobile. Makes sense. Police cruiser. Fantastic. He talks about the cop tires, cop wheels, cop engine. Um, But then they park the car and the Ectomobile just happens to be right there. The original Ectomobile. (laughs) And they talk about that car for a couple seconds. And then the other Ectomobile just (laughs) happens to be right there. Yeah. All very skillfully publicist uh, coordinated, obviously. But um, so here's the, they did chat a little bit in both cars. Here's just sort of a, a highlight reel of what they said. Jay, Dan Aykroyd, ladies and gentlemen, how cool is this? You know, you know this guy from Santa Ant Live, Blues Brothers, the Ghostbusters, but it's a crime fighter. Hop in my sled here. Yeah, I think he is. This thing is hilarious. So, uh, you want to see if this old 440 still got it? Let's check it out. All right, here we go. In the original Blues Brothers film, they destroyed 103 cars. This is not one of them. I always want to ask, you know, you know, Saturday Night Live was kind of a revolutionary show and kind of an anti-establishment show, and yet you're like the cop guy. Where did the whole cop uh, thing come from? Well, Jay, you know, I'm very proud to say that I'm a Canadian born July 1st, Canada Day, and my mom's father was a Royal Canadian Mounted Police Staff Sergeant. Oh, wow. And, you know, on SNL, Jay, I always played the cops, and I I love uniforms and stuff, so... I know, that's true, that's funny. And and Billy and I used to do a sketch called uh, Ex-Police, you know, where we come in, no badges, no, we're ex-police, but we'll take care of everything for you, so... Right, right. I know you do a lot of police benefits, and you have... Well, yeah, I mean, I'll show you, I've got a... Here's... Pull over right now. Get this car off the road right now. You recognize the car we're in, as you know, these right. big Dodges. This was the car for the Blues Brothers because in the story, Elwood had figured, well, I might have to run from the cops at some right. point. Might as well have some police equipment. Now, that was my favorite thing from the movie. Cop tires, cop transmission, yeah. cop brakes. Right. Well, it's a 440 and one of the greatest motors Chrysler ever made. It sort of got eclipsed by the Hemi, but this actually really made more power on yeah. the street than the Hemi. Of course, there's no cigarette lighter because in the movie, Jake goes, well, it doesn't work, and he throws it out. Right, right. That's- yeah. 
the, they've really kept this thing. Even have the period trash yeah. on the dashboard. This is owned by a serious fan who's, who's yeah. made it just like it was. And on top, of course, we have the warning siren. Right, right. And uh, growing up in Canada in the 1960s, we had one of these installed in our schoolyard. So was that in case of nuclear attack? Exactly. Air raid warning, red. Sound siren. <laughs> the movie wrapped, I had my own 1978 Dodge Monaco completely painted as an Illinois State Police car. Oh, yeah? And I was living in Manhattan at the time, and I drove it on dates. I used to pick girls up in it. Nobody batted an eye. It's like, yeah. oh, I guess they're here to serve a warrant or something, you know? That's funny. <laughs> Obviously, you're a good driver. When you guys did Blues Brothers, did you bring any professional guys at all to give you any pointers? Jay, we had the most wonderful stuntmen. The idea yeah. of driving through the mall and taking out the mall. Hilarious. Dead mall it was, an abandoned mall. Right. I remember one night we're there, it was about 2 in the morning, looking around for Belushi. Where is he? Not in his trailer, nowhere on the radios, can't find him anywhere. So I look around, the parking lot's all grown up with weeds, but there's a kind of a little path that's leading to the subdivision next to the mall. I just, on instinct, follow this path into this neighborhood. All the houses are dark. I walk down the street, and one light's on in one house, and I, I'm going to take a chance. So I go up, I knock on the door. Guy comes in his underwear, undershirt and a robe. I said, sir, we're making a movie over here. We've lost one of our actors. Oh, you mean Belushi? Oh, yeah, he's here. He came and raided my fridge about two hours ago. He's asleep on the couch. <laughs> he was America's guest. He could go anywhere. That's funny. And so I woke him up. We went back to work, you know. When you were doing that movie, did it ever occur to you that it would become such an iconic film? I mean, everybody talks about it as if it was shot like it came out last year. Everybody knows it. Even kids born in the 90s, you know, still talk about it. You know, we didn't know what we had, but I think the strength of the movie really, Jay, is James Brown, Aretha Franklin, the, the real people, the real players, the real blues right, and yeah. soul, and the music, that yeah. African-American songbook, you can't beat that, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's terrific. It's got oh, yeah. a lot of heart, the movie. It does have a lot of heart. And you can watch it over and over again. Well, Jay, here's the reason I brought you back to the motor pool at the Los Angeles Police Museum is because we have the first and actual Ecto-1 from the uh, first and second Ghostbusters movies. Wow, this is the actual car. This is the actual car. Obviously a 1959 Miller Meteor. The reason I got this is because I knew that the four of us, uh, Ernie, myself, Harold, and Billy, at some point would have to be in the front seat of this riding along. Right. And uh, I knew it would fit four. Yeah. Also yeah. to hold the equipment. It was the biggest station wagon in the world. Yeah. And, of course, the great design by Harley Earl, right. which you can see in the fins at the, right. at the back here. I don't think there's ever been a bigger fin no. uh, on an American car than this. This was the last bastion, you'd say. After this, the fins the, got smaller. The, the 60, 60 got 61. Smaller, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then by, they, they were gone by 63, 64. Yeah, yeah. Now, explain this one over here. I've never seen this. What is this one? Okay, well, I'm happy to say that uh, coming this summer, we pass the torch of the original Ghostbusters the new Ghostbusters movie. We have four magnificent women, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Melissa McCarthy, and of course, Leslie Jones. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. did you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. And this is their vehicle for the new age. It's an 83 Cadillac. Ah, ah, uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac. 
I like this warning. Parts may fall off. It's about what I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, Any chance we could maybe take it for a ride? I think uh, that uh, you will be the first civilian to ride in the 1983 new Ghostbusters Ecto-1. This will be a fairly fairly good ride. See what she does. Well, there we are. Now, you obviously intimately involved with both vehicles. Oh, yeah. Which do you like better? What are the differences? Well, style-wise, the 59 is really, it's it's rolling sculpture. It's right, a beautiful, right. elegant, elegant machine. This car, of course, would have better technology as far as fuel feed and exhaust and suspension, maybe. But as a vehicle, it's, it's really just a square. This is probably box. the worst period for American cars in general. Yeah, but I don't care. You give me any year Cadillac, I'll drive it all day and night. I imagine a vehicle like this, you got to let civilians know you're coming. Put the lights on. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, you don't want a ghost lingering longer than uh, it should, right? Whose idea was it to do an all-female cast this time? Well, director Paul Feig, who did Bridesmaids and Spy. As a kid, he'd seen Ghostbusters. He loved it. And he thought, I want to do it, but I want to do it a little different. What about all women? And when we heard that, we went, bing, man, this is brilliant. Actually, I remember you came in and read for the uh, first Ghostbusters for the Tully part, which Rick Moranis got. I did. I yeah. did read. I was going to say I read for Ghostbusters, but I was so embarrassed. And I was so terrible. No you, were, no, you were not terrible. You were great. In fact, we liked you. But then Rick, I mean, didn't he kill it? Oh, yeah. He oh, killed it. Yeah, 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 no yeah, argument yeah. for me. I think it turned out okay for you, Jay. Oh, yeah. I, I don't see I think, me complaining. I think, I think, I think, I don't I'm know. not complaining. No, no, no. no, no, no I'm no. not complaining. No. What a pleasure, sir. Dan, thank you very oh, much. Oh, man. I'll see you down at the shop sometime, man. And I'll see you at the premiere. Yes, indeed. Thanks. Oh, you bet. Thanks a lot, man. Now, I'm just going to uh, tell Sony that uh, I need this car for the week. <laughs> so, yeah, really cool. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's obviously talking about the dark period in automobile design there and how this new uh, 83 car sort of fits right into that. Um, but, you know, it's... It's sort of of its time, and uh, and Dan says, yeah, sure enough, uh, I'll drive anything that's a Cadillac. Um, but <laughs> but I, I do Cadillac love... Cadillac or Harley. That's yeah, the way exactly. it goes for Cadillac him. Cadillac or Harley. Um, but I, I did love the fact that they were driving a fan-made car. I'm not sure whose car that was. You don't happen to know, do you, Chris? I the don't Blues know Mobile? offhand. Yeah. No. I can barely keep track of all of the fan All ectos, the Ectos, yeah. Alone, so if, if you're out there and that's your Bluesmobile, uh, write into the show because, um, mad, first mad of all... props on that one. Yeah, it's, I mean, down to the details of all the dated garbage that's on the, uh, the dashboard. That was pretty awesome. So, um, so speaking of appearances, the new cast was on the Graham Norton show. Uh, they talked a little bit of Chris Hemsworth. They sang a little song. Um, <laughs> Paul, F- <laughs> Paul, Paul Feig got slimed. Uh, Paul let's... Feig, dear Paul Feig, um, you made a critical error. Oh, no. What did he do? <laughs> you you remember him uh, getting uh, uh, slimed there? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. There's a um... – oh, how do I put this? There's a, an excited or – ejaculatory quality to a certain uh, few frames of it but oh no so fair warning when the movie comes out and it, it it if it does boffo hell even if it does lukewarm 
Ooh, I, I'm making a, I'm making that the, into a gif. The internet has taken note. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Paul Feig's <laughs> Paul Feig's reaction when first weekend uh, uh, returns come in. Oh no! Haters, this is a podcast. Haters, you thought Paul Feig's movie was childish uh, in its humor? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, kids. <laughs> get ready for Chris Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait, wait till me and Premier get my hands on <laughs> on that episode of Graham Norton. Aye, aye, um, aye. Some people expressed uh, uh, surprise that we knew what Graham Norton was. I, uh, I mean, I've, I've a, known Graham Norton. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like mainly because of BBC America. So you're watching Orphan Black, Doctor Who, all of those shows, and you see all of the promos for him. But uh, Well, I don't I have mean, any of that. I remember him from uh, Father Ted. Yeah, Father Ted. And I, I mean, everybody when I was out in, in Ireland for a couple of months, like it, Graham Norton was the talk of the town because, you know, he's he's found the format for London late night talk. Um, so yeah. it was like everybody was going home to watch Graham Norton every week. He's got a really great format, actually. If you haven't seen it, it's all over YouTube. Uh, and of course, you can see it with a Ghostbusters flair if you feel like you need your hand held in some way to come in and watch it. Um, yeah, it's not you know, it's not desk and couch at all. It's like, <laughs> there's no desk. He kind of reclines in his armchair. Uh, all the guests come out and hang out on a very large couch and they, uh, mix and match and talk amongst themselves. And, and you, he get, lo- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, he loves to go to the internet and pull stuff up there. He's got a massive yeah. audience, by the way. I don't know how big, uh, I seem to recall sometimes they swing the camera around on an SNL or a Letterman and all that. And don't get me wrong, big audiences. This is auditorium level audiences for his shows. It's just yeah, crazy. Yeah, he's hugely popular. And and I was going to say uh, what you get from everybody being out there at the same time is you have, I think at one point I saw Morgan Freeman and it was like Nathan Phil. Oh, no, it was Bruce Campbell. Uh, Bruce Campbell and Morgan Freeman and and Graham Norton is asking Bruce Campbell about Evil Dead and why people love Ash and the stupid humor and Morgan Freeman is there the entire time and he's like oh that's interesting tell me more about this Ash character you know you get these <laughs> these truly bizarre conversations um, but uh, so it's yeah, good so- stuff it's once you start watching you will get sucked into the channel because. Uh, Especially since you don't have to watch an entire episode, you can watch these little snippets of yeah, it. Yeah, you can just... watch them uh, online, and so watch watch the full thing. But here's just a, a small sampling of what they said uh, on the Graham Norton show. My next guests tonight are four of the funniest women in America. Together, they're rebooting one of Hollywood's favorite comedies, Ghostbusters. Here's a taste of them in action. Uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, conductors in the metaphysical. Okay, cool. See ya. Hey guys, which one of these makes me look more like a doctor? Who was that? Uh, the Stonebrook Theatre. There's a goat on the loose. I'm gonna load up the car. Whoa. Oh, 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 Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. did you want to? I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Please welcome Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Hello, my darling. Hi, nice to meet you. Leslie 
Our invisible waitress has arrived very quickly. It's like lady, mm -hmm. lady, lady, fella. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking that pineapple to go. Oh, how are you all? Great. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a television studio. Kind of. Now, congratulations on the movie. Thank you. Now, you. You look like you're having fun in the movie. So is this bit fun too? Or is I mean, not this bit, let's not push it, but <laughs> <laughs> the traveling the world, the promoting it everywhere. Is this still fun or is this kind of like, ugh? Well, when like we get to do it together, fun. yeah. Yeah, yeah when we do it yeah. together, it's fun. Yes, I love it. <laughs> no, really quiet down the end there. I was like, whoa. So fun. And I, I, this is funny because I ordered a white wine spritzer and this is just straight white wine. That's so we'll, we'll give you the soda later. <laughs> and then you can jump up and this down. Could really take a turn, right? nice. This could really take a turn. Yeah, good, good, I hope it does. <laughs> so, obviously, all friends now, but uh, Kristen and Melissa, we knew that you knew each other because, of course, yeah. bridesmaids, famously. Even before that. Yeah, before that. Yeah. Yeah. to the Groundlings Theater. Like, Kristen was yeah. at my wedding. It was yeah, like, we go way years back. Years and years yeah. before Bridesmaids. Oh, 100 years <laughs> back. Yeah, 100 years. In the land before Bridesmaids. Uh, uh, so, uh, Saturday Night Live also was a, a big bonding thing. Now, because, Kristen, do you know Leslie and Kate? We met, I think we met when I Master hosted, Mark. oh no, we, and we did a movie together. Um, then we worked together after that. After that, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, That's but now you guys are still in Saturday Night Live, which you, I, yeah. most people, I'm sure, know. But it's a it's a big comedy sketch show in in America. But how long have you we worked together for? How many years now? It's been two. <laughs> After one, right? It's been three? Maybe three. It's been know. three. Um, after the first year, Leslie, and my name is Kate McKinnon, and she, uh, <laughs> I know that, but uh, she, she came up to me and she said, um, after a year of knowing me, um, how, you all right, Kate Middleton? <laughs> uh, and were you joking? Uh, no, I was not. And, <laughs> I was like, well, who's Middleton then? She was like, a princess bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters, directed by Paul Feig, who uh, also directed Hi. Bridesmaids. Yeah, very good. And, and indeed, Spied. And Spied in spy the well. heat. Why is yeah. he so surprised in that picture? Did, <laughs> did they surprise him? Oh, he's <laughs> challenge when you kind of dare to touch a kind of fan favorite. But it's yeah. fair to say, when you guys announced there was going to be this female reboot of Ghostbusters, there was like, nerd again. I mean... Oh my god, that's the nerd perfect word. Nerd again? It's oh, yeah. That's a perfect yeah. But it's true. Like, they, there was a meltdown in Nerdland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fellas all across the world in their mother's basements rose up. <laughs> Really, but really you said it, you said a funny thing. You're like, it's like they announced they cast it with animals. <laughs> <laughs> They're even gonna have 
human being. Wait, the it was also like the announcement came out and it's like, we're going to burn every version of the original two, never to be seen again. Like, it was like, well, it's not an either or thing, guys. It's they're, they're all, it's all still remaining. It's a film about funny people fighting ghosts. Uh, you know, let's. It's a movie. It's a movie, people. And I think when people see it, they'll, they'll be won over because they'll enjoy yeah. it. It's funny. Yeah. And, and so in this world, who are you all? How, how do you become Ghostbusters? Well, uh, I mean, would, do you want to take that? We're, 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 we're physicists. Uh, she, she's a physicist, and she's a physicist, and I'm a physicist. I and work for the train. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of lose our job. I published a book. Kristen loses her tenure at a university. Kate and I are working at a terrible university. They also throw us out, so we're kind of forced to say there are these problems in the world, and maybe, maybe somebody needs our help. And, of course, we saw in the clip there another addition to the cast, our good friend Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> now, I think, I think I've got a picture of Chris Hemsworth. Uh, do you I... Are crying? I do, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just him coming out of the trailer. him coming out of the trailer. It's too much. It, it's crazy, isn't it? I just, at a certain point, I thought, I have never rooted for someone maybe to be just... An unbelievable jerk. Yeah. I just needed something to be wrong with him. And there was nothing. nothing. No, and also for the four of you, it must be annoying because you've got to think, oh, we're very funny and here's this hunk. He's annoyingly funny. He's yeah. hilarious. Who is weird? We like, were like, did you bring writers or something? Like, he was killing it. Like, killing it. was it. funny like a guy that had to fight his way off the playground his yeah. whole life, and he had to be funny so he didn't get his ass kicked. Yes. Which Seriously, is not, I mean, that's how like, funny he was. It yeah. was very strange. And at one point he started, I don't know, we were talking about music, we were playing something, and I said, what song are you talking about? And he started singing. And I did not mean to, but very, uh, it was deep and guttural. I was like, you should. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up, Chris! Because it also, like, he started to sound like a songbird. And I was like, you can't have another thing. I just, just be quiet. I don't like, tell people to shut up, but I was like, you shut up. Because if you're also able to, and I said, can you sing? And he's like, well, I can carry a tune. I was like, you shut up. <laughs> never find out. Something, I'm going to pretend you're a terrible singer so I know you're human. I bet he doesn't even have boogers. I bet it's just a hollow tooth. It's a hollow tooth. Yeah. Or if he does have boogers, they taste like cornflakes. <laughs> mm. Crispy, crispy like that, too. Sweet, guys. Oh, my yeah. God. He's hot, man. Can I just say, I think... I think we spent too long now. This is wrong. No. You can't spend this long discussing someone on a show. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we were sad when he left. We, he got a cake. It was a lot. Oh. Yeah. And he edit. He didn't get fat. <laughs> As he was eating cake, he got more chiseled. <laughs> But weirdly, I didn't have any cake, and when he was eating his, I had gained like six pounds. Very good. We must talk about one more element of the film because it's it's in the original and it's back with the vengeance. Is the slime oh. the, where there are ghosts? There was what is it supposed to be? Ectoplasm or something? Mm -hmm. it's, it's nasty. Supposed to be. Sorry, it's, uh, I said that like a doubter. <laughs> It's, it's ectoplasm. That's what that is. And Kristen, you get the bulk of it. Yep. Yeah. When I read it in the script, I was like, oh, cool. I get slimed a lot. And after the first time when I found out what it was made of and how...
to get it off because <laughs> um, you can't um, put water on it because it, it, it like multiples. It's slime. It gets it's, slimier. It's, it's a real phenomenon. I don't know. You have to put that. I don't a know. Crazy. There's, there's always like four guys in masks going. It's perfectly safe. <laughs> So some, you had to dry yeah. it. You had to take like a dry washcloth, which just feels great anyway, <laughs> and just like get as much as you can, and then you get in the shower and you're like, it just like it comes back. <laughs> it's a two-day. Two but it must have taken you forever to get out of it. It did. It did. It's like you're you're encased yes. in it. Yeah. I used her a lot to block my. Yes. I never got slime. <laughs> there was a scene in the movie where I literally pictures. <laughs> I may also have yeah. close-ups close of Kristen laying on the ground getting violently slimed, and I was like, I want to be supportive, but I'm just going to ask you. There's a lot of, yeah. I like a close-up during this format. Uh, hey, good luck with the film. And uh, here you all are taking on a ghost in the New York subway. What? Ooh, what? Yeah, no. it happens. Do you see that? The eyes. All right, Walter, now we're telling you lesson. No. Oh, that is unsettling. Hey, Patty, can I get some illumination on this subject? Yeah, I can put some light on that. Oh, boy. Where are these ghosts coming from? You're taking this pretty boy back to the lab. Holtzman? Yup. Power us up. Okay. The pluggiest things. In here? Okay. Aaron, come here. I'm back in with this. <laughs> like, why am I operating the untested nuclear laser? You have the longest arms. This is just a little bit of grounding so you don't die immediately. You have done this before, right? Ready. Aim. Fire! All right, merch, Chris. We've got to rapid fire some merch here merch, before we get merch, to the interviews. Merch, merch, uh, merch Because Licensing merch, Expo was this past week, so we knew a, we, we a now have seen of a few things. A couple turns out. Um, a few of them, yes. Uh, yeah. One in Las Vegas and then one in, where was the other one? China? Singapore. Singapore. So let's let's talk about the stuff that we've. Uh, let's just throw it all into one mishmash and just talk about all of the stuff that we loved. Um, sure. To be honest, Las Vegas hasn't revealed anything terribly new. Well, there was the Ruby's costumes. Those were new. Oh, that's like, right. The Dawn Post-looking masks yeah. for Rowan and Sparky. Um, there was the yeah, Stay yeah, Puft yeah. cookie jar that was there. That's right. Um, I forgot about those. But then, so Singapore was where those soldier story toys came out of, right? Yeah. And, and I, you said you weren't familiar with them. I'm, no, I had not heard of soldier story uh, until just now. Oh, uh, I, they seem like they're hot toys kind of, right? Like a, I don't know a, on that, that same level. What's a hot toys? Uh, hot toys are the guys that do the really like incredibly realistic 12 inch action figures of like back to the future and Batman. Yeah. That kind Although of these stuff. guys, if not this particular company, those like them date back. Oh God. Decades. And they are what their, their bread and butter is, is hyper realistic military 12 inch action figures. Oh, okay. Um, so for example, if you go to their site, um, and I went back looking to see if they mentioned them at any, cause they were like, Oh yeah, two months ago, there was some other show. And I was like, did you mention any ghostbusters? Which they did not. Um, they, all they were showing off was, um, all their military figures. And these things are right down to the clips that go into the guns. Like it's just, wow. I mean, um, that makes sense. Now when you see the ghostbusters figures, because the I, detail on them is I like, know. 
it's insane. Like the, when I sat there and I realized, oh my god, their 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 sweater vests are knitted. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I think his suit is even knitted. Like so, okay. So for people that haven't seen them, that don't know what we're talking about, they have the classic and the new Ghostbusters. But the classic Ghostbusters. Like Peter and Egon are in their civilian, like their suits that they wear when they're coming out of the bank, like that, yeah. those clothes. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's spot on. It's like they recrafted their costumes and tailored them s- straight from whatever the fabrics yeah, and stuff at, were that were in the movie. At one sixth scale. Yeah. Um, um, they, <laughs> now I know the propers have been complaining about the packs already, but uh, to the average eye, and even the average fan eye, the packs look fine, uh, and they light up. This is the thing that has to be said. The cyclotron lights up. Uh, I think a couple of the indicator bars light up, and the the tip of the neutrona wand oh, light man. up. So just because the Mattel the Mattel twelve inch those those didn't light up, right? The no. proton packs, no. Okay. So just sort of jostle that around in your head for a little bit there. Uh, yes, yeah, so all they were showing off were four figures: uh, Holtzman and Kevin. Kevin with a motorcycle and a saxophone. Kevin with the Ecto two. Yeah, this is where it's crazy. You didn't see <laughs> Holtzman's alternate, although the assumption would be that you'll have her uh, leather jacket and uh, and uh, you know parachute uh, coveralls. Yeah, like or her whatever. overalls. Yeah. Um, her glasses are separate because they have the mold of her head, like the sculpt, but not the final paint of her head, but the glasses are, and they're sitting on her, on the head. Uh, Kevin comes, <laughs> she's wearing the proper uniform. He's wearing his made up one. Like it's just right down to the helmet with uh, ghostbuster written on it. Uh, the Ecto two amazing. And then, yeah, it doesn't have the head on it, but damned if they, do, they aren't showing off. A perfect Kevin in his short sleeve button up, you know, sweater vest. Uh, I don't know what you call it. What do you call the the seashell uh, uh, bracelets? Oh like, yeah, yeah. And that's separate too. That's not molded in. That's just hmm. an accessory to it. Just crazy. And I thought that was crazy. And oh, and sax, of course, uh, yeah, comes with and the sax. saxophone. Crazy enough. Uh, um, so, ladies, get ready to indulge in your. <laughs> Your shirtless saxophone Kevin Whoa. fantasies. Whoa. Move over, Ken. Uh, uh, Kevin's coming to take Barbie out. Like, this is... this. Is. So stay tuned for more info on those. Let's let's rapid fire a couple other things. We've got some sure. Twinkies. Stay puffed marshmallow flavored Twinkies <laughs> are apparently hitting. Thanks, Dinosaur Dracula, for the hint on that one. Yeah, there's three of them now, because apparently you can get the Key Lime Twinkies, which key nobody's lime found. found. You yeah. can find the Stay Puff Twinkies that nobody's found. And there are Plain Twinkies, the obvious one, with the Ghostbusters with the, and logo. And those are the only ones that I've been able to find are the Ghostbusters logo Twinkies. So nope. uh, maybe they're it. coming. So yeah, look look for those. Um, uh, Playmobil, Playmobil. Um, they, Do you want to keep it, hang on one sec. Do you want to keep it food uh, thematic for a second? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo Crunch. Oh, Yo Crunch. I forgot about Yo Crunch. Yo Crunch. Uh, hit your, your dairy section because the four packs of... Uh, Yo Crunch, Yo for yogurt, and Crunch for the candy that offsets yeah, like the healthy M- part of M- the yogurt. M&M's and Oreos. <laughs> M&M's and Oreos. Um, yeah, they've, uh, they're have they cross-promoting with Fandango? 
I think so. You get a you get a movie voucher for the for Five a movie bucks. ticket, right? Yeah. Now it's not just Ghostbusters, but obviously <laughs> by stamping Ghostbusters on it, they are trying to lead you in a certain direction. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So you pick up a four pack of the world's least healthy yogurt. <laughs> um, and, and get yourself yeah, five bucks off. Five bucks yeah, off. Yeah. So. And and you also have a not healthy treat to eat as well. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I interrupted though. Playmobil. Yeah, no. So, yeah, Playmobil, uh, we obviously knew that these toys were coming, but they had a little trailer that came out for the licensing expo. The trailer had a very creepy theme song under it, which was cool, but they didn't really show anything in there. So, not not too much to talk about. Uh, I'm a little bit more generous than you are because they do show us a quick look at the pack. I mean, it is computer generated, but it's obviously computer generated. Oh, is that the toy? The- I thought that was just like a design... No, go oh. back and watch it again. It is the Playmobil okay. Ghostbuster. Uh, I'm assuming Peter Venkman throwing out the little Playmobil trap. And uh, yeah, it's very brief. Like, don't, yeah. let's not oversell it here. But given that all we had prior to now was it's coming sometime. Uh, and here are some front line drawing concepts of it. Uh, what we have now is we see a little bit of it in CGI form in action. Uh, and the date is 2017. So yeah, so not not until next year. That'll come out during that lull that we were talking year. about. So, um, all right, let's let's real quick uh, before we get into our interviews, talk about the Activision game uh, because the bundle came out that you can pre-order that you get classic suit skins that you can uh, throw onto your characters, and uh-huh. you get a copy of the new movie when it's released as a digital uh-huh. download. Um, but what I want to talk to you about, uh, let's see, we have. We have about five minutes here before we get into the interviews. You played the game at E3. Tell, I played tell, it tell in me Lego Dimensions. It. Yeah, tell tell me. Tell me. I only got to play the the up, 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 the tutorial, which was a return to it was uh uh what's her name's uh, Gertrude's Revenge, it's called. Oh, okay. Uh, you go back to the museum. Um uh, This is the Activision game now, right? The Activision Not Lego. Game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So again, much like uh, um, Slimer, <laughs> uh, no, not Slimer, much like the library ghost in the first movie, I guess they encounter her and don't go back. <laughs> so much oh. like the library ghost in the first one, there's the suggestion that she's, uh, or she escapes, who knows, I don't know. But uh, yeah, the new team, sorry, the new new team. The Correct. Video These, games yeah, team, the video game team. Yeah, uh, return to the museum to go take care of Gertrude. Um, great art, like the loading screen splashes, are awesome. Um, the map of the city and the locations, highly stylized, but you know, great, great design. Uh, the it's a tutorial, so I don't know exactly how complex it is compared. See, here's the thing: tutorials are often quite simple. So right. I don't want right. to judge the rest of the levels by the tutorial uh, because it felt like, well, is there more? Uh, so once I can kind of turn my head the other way and go, well, right, they're not trying to kick your butt right now because this is just the tutorial. It is really kind of cool that um, you can trigger a button that brings out the PKE meter and it emanates in front of you to indicate like it's sensing and it it reveals like glowing glyphs and footprints and all that on the floor. So that's kind of how you make your way through the space. Interesting. Okay. So it's like detective mode in the Arkham games, that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, And then the four teammates all have their, their different weapon. 
So again, this is where the couch co-op comes in handy because if everybody can, you can play all as the same character. You can play as one of each. It doesn't matter. You can mix and match, but they all have different, you know, uh, pros and cons, and they level up over time. So uh, they go in with their their set weapon, but again, with a trigger of a button, you can move over to the old school throwers, the um, the standard beam throwers, yeah, uh, rather than stuff that's more reminiscent of boson darts and, and oh, there's a variety of equipment you can take with you from a different grenades that like ghost grenades which of course we saw we're seeing are coming in the movie things like that um so yeah you walk through it's uh you know lots of little minor ghosts you don't really trap them you just sort of pop them sort of thing you neutronized it um that sort of thing uh, get to the big boss, which in this case was Gertrude, and then yeah, it becomes a fight to bring her down. While she again, it's just a it's a boss fight, and it, in my mind, what it felt a lot like was uh, you play a lot of Smash TV. Yes. Oh yeah, that's like what it that. feels like. Everybody's oh. running around, you know, dual stick shooter, just shooting at everything. Uh, and there's okay. Waves of of minor ghosts coming in that you got to fend off. Uh, you can get knocked down, or she. Uh, uh, you know, slimes you, and if you get knocked down too much, somebody can has to run over and revive you, and uh, and then yeah, when you get her down to a point, uh, everybody's got to throw their beam on her, and the game goes, you know, indicates a way to drag her. You got to all pull her in that direction, and then it's like you know, you do the ghost slam from the 2009 game, which I it's very satisfying, and then yeah, you throw at the trap and you catch her. So it's the minor taste. I don't then. Like I, it'd be like me playing the first level of a Connect Three mobile game and complaining that it's the stupidest, simplest game ever, and I'm never gonna play the rest of it. <laughs> because you and I both know the tutorial ones. Connect Three, very good. You're excellent. And then as you go further along in the game, they get weirder and then weirder it gets and more complex yeah. and more puzzly and all that. Uh, I that's how video games go. So I my faith is in that. That's how it's gonna go with this oh, one. I don't know if it'll be for everyone, but. Uh, I sat down with uh, three other guys, random strangers. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, it was not boring, and we played right through the bit. It was kind of satisfying to end it. So I can only assume that with friends and leveling up and knowing a bit more what the hell I was doing, because I think I just randomly grabbed crap off of the, <laughs> like, here, take some equipment. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I'll take this. Good. Throw it. I don't know what this does. No. I. <laughs> yeah, doesn't hurt bookshelves. Probably yeah, should have thrown it out of the curve. curse. Yeah, yeah a that's curve. fine. So if I had a moderate amount of fun muddling through that, I think under ideal circumstances of owning it, getting to play it for a bit, having pals over, yeah, looks like a hoot. Excellent, excellent. Feels, and then real feels, quick, feels uh, more fun than Sanctum of Slime, let's put it that way. Oh, good. All right. Well, yeah. excellent. That's that. That's all I wanted to hear was that it had some value and was, you know, fun. Uh, yeah. So looking forward to that. What about yeah. uh, real quick Lego Dimensions? Did you get to play any of the Ghostbusters levels on that yet? I did. The guy took me into one of the Harry Potter uh, Quidditch matches. I was as, lost. As a Ghostbuster? Yeah, I was lost. I had no idea what was going uh, on. That's funny. <laughs> it, was, it was me. Some guy was playing uh, uh, Ethan, what's his name, from Mission Impossible. There's towers. There was flags. I don't uh, know. Okay. So I just ran around for a while. I shot everybody with the proton pack for a bit. <laughs> it was fun. I'm assuming, right. like I said, if I have her in the right uh, space, uh, it'll probably be way more fun. What was cool was actually getting to see the, the minifigure in the car and the portal uh, set, the Lego set that 
the it'll come with getting to, to see them up close and personal yeah, yeah. I got to have a look at them they're very nice, nice. it's very oh, cool. excellent all right yeah. well uh glad glad that you were able to get to e3 and and uh give us that firsthand report that, because that was literally in the last two hours of the last day the rest <laughs> of it was just work 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 yeah work, exactly work, work. making those deals man let's get into our interviews these guys have been waiting so patiently. We're going to make Eric <laughs> wait even longer. So let's let's do <laughs> some interview. Shut page. up. Hey, Alice, I'm going to ask you a couple of standard questions, okay? Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? What are you supposed to do, some kind of a cosmonaut? What has that got to do with it? Back off. I'm a scientist. All right, this this I've been looking forward to a very long time. This is uh, this is one of those interviews when the podcast started. I was like, oh man, if we can get this guy on the show then we've made it we've done it and we've got him he's here we're here with andrew schaefer the author of ghosts from our past andrew how you doing tonight i'm doing well how are you doing pretty good pretty good thanks for being on the show uh loved the book and i'm sure everybody else will love it as it comes out this week um but uh we we won't spoil anything don't worry for anybody that's worried that you haven't got the book in your hands we're not going to dive into spoiler territory but we have andrew on the show to talk about the process and some of the cool stuff that he's packed into the book and things to be on the, the lookout for and and also just to talk to you because you're a funny dude man i love i love following you on twitter and and uh <laughs> and all of the the quick responses that you're able to come up with oh thanks i have great people working my account um you know it's, <laughs> it's your whole pr team is really uh working you know burning the midnight oil yeah yeah um, yeah all the interns that that work for me <laughs> well they find your voice so well uh, so let's let's start with your love for Ghostbusters, because obviously you're a, you were a fan way before Ghosts from Our Past. Uh, what what drew you to this film? Uh, what made you a fan of Ghostbusters? I mean, I was a fan of Ghostbusters before Ghostbusters. That's how Whoa. you know original. <laughs> now, um, dude, that's punk. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, yeah, there were there were a couple of movies that summer that came out. A uh, couple like the same weekend, right? Uh, Gremlins and Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, uh, weirdly, I saw Gremlins several times in the theater because it was, I think, the only movie at one point that was playing in the town that I lived. And so we just kept going over and over. It was at the cheap theater while I think maybe Ghostbusters continued to play number one at the box office at the uh, at the theater. You had to pay, what, $5 for back in 1984 or something? Nice. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so I was a, I was a, a fan then. And, um, you know, I wanted to be a Ghostbuster. I didn't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I wanted to believe, much like Fox Mulder. <laughs> and, and it was, you know, it was something that um, I, yeah, I, I don't know why it stuck out. I mean, well, I mean, all of, all of your listeners know, um, you know, it, it meant something different to everybody, um, but it was just—it was just a movie that really spoke to me. I think, especially uh, Bill Murray's performance, and I, I, I sort of saw a little bit of myself in the that sort of sarcastic, snarky uh, character that he played. Not—not not so much the sexual predator parts <laughs> of his personality. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it, 
Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was something that, that had a, a, a tremendous impact on me. And, and I recently posted this up online. I, I wrote and illustrated a little five page Ghostbusters two in 1985. So <laughs> I, I wanted to get on top of the sequel already. I didn't know what fanfic was, but I was like, they're not moving fast enough for me. And so, so even at that age, I was like, I was like trying to, you know, write and, and do some sort of creative sort of response, you know, to stuff that I saw. Yeah. Well, it's, it feels like it really fed you creatively, especially when you read the the author's thanks in the back of the book that it, it really sparked something creatively in you. Um, how, how did it sort of influence you? You mentioned your sense of humor, that sort of Peter Venkman quick on your feetness. Um, was that also a result of like the Saturday Night Live National Lampoon, that comedic style too, or was Ghostbusters solely responsible for sort of molding and shaping you into that, that comedic wit? Oh man, I think, you know, it was at that age, it was just Ghostbusters. That was it. And, um, you know, like I, like I've recently like rewatched, uh, Gremlins and it just doesn't have that same sort of wit to it, you know, that, that Ghostbusters did, even though they, at the time, I really liked them both. But, you know, one really clearly stood the test of time, I think. Yeah. And, so, you know, sorry to crap on all the uh, Gremlins fans out there. Um, <laughs> They're different movies. I mean, yeah, Gremlins is a different type of film from Ghostbusters. And when we're kids and we saw it, we're like, oh, man, I really want a Mogwai. And I really want to be a Ghostbuster. And then when you look back as an adult, you go, oh, that's cute. You know, <laughs> you have a different perspective on it. Chris Columbus yeah. is crying into his piles of money. I know, I know exactly. It's all right, Chris Columbus. That third movie's coming though. It's gonna be that's the that's Ghostbusters three now. Like Gremlins three is the new Ghostbusters three. But oh, the new new batch. Oh boy, <laughs> the new new batch. Man, I, I love Gremlins too. Can you get any crazier than Gremlins too? I don't. I don't. Think I don't. You can. And Joe Dante tried. I think that was the point. <laughs> He's like, I'm just gonna go as crazy as. Like, oh, you guys, you're going to pay money for a sequel? I don't want to do a sequel. Here, I'll show you. You know, I think that's what yeah. he was doing. Yeah, it's been it's been many years since I've seen it, but there's a Key and Peele sketch, which is um, on Key and Peele's website, oh, Comedy right. Central, which is a pitch meeting for Ghostbusters, or for, excuse me, for Gremlins 2. And it is a guy going around the room just like saying the craziest stuff and you go, oh my God, that's crazy. And he's like, and you, you're going to be made of vegetables. And... <laughs> Then at the end of the the punchline at the end of the sketches, all of this stuff is actually in Gremlins too. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna have a sexy lady gremlin, and like, oh man, I forgot about that sketch. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy stuff. But yeah, that was I. You know, later on, I think I sort of got into humor. My humor sort of was from SNL, like later stuff from SNL. Um, my SNL was you know Mike Myers and. Uh, David Spade and Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as was as was mine. That was the I should not be up this late watching TV uh, cast of, of Saturday Night Live for me. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so so how did you end up getting into to writing books? Where, where what was your initial start as an author? Um, you know, a five, he said it was a five page comic book. It was, yeah, yeah, it was the Ghostbusters two. It caught the eye of one <laughs> Ivan Reitman, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, it 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 really evolved over time. I mean, I spent many many years writing short stories and novels that were really bad, really bad. Um, uh, you know, you can flash forward. Let's just skip over all the high school stuff. 
um, because uh, I thought I was going to be in a band. So I kind of wasn't really writing. I was writing songs, and um, they were bad as well. So um, it took, it takes a long time to, to you know to what you got to get that like Malcolm Gladwell says you got to ten thousand hours, and I I definitely had you know at least ten thousand hours, ten thousand pages worth of worth of garbage material in me before my stuff started to be you know publishable, and it, you know that didn't really happen until. I was almost thirty. Um, that it sort of became became good enough, you know, for that other people wanted to wanted to read it rather than me forcing it on them. <laughs> yeah, hey, I can make I can make some money off of this. I can turn this new career. Yeah. Um, so so at what point then? I mean, I I understand that you've wanted to do a Ghostbusters book for a long time. Um, especially, you know, going back to your Ghostbusters 2 that you did as a kid, um, what were some of the ideas, like the concepts that you had floating around in your head prior to Ghosts from Our Past? Did you, uh, did you have concepts for maybe novels or behind-the-scenes books or, or that sort of thing? Tobin's Spirit Guide. Yes. <laughs> I mean, one of the first uh, books that I remember having as a kid was the Ghostbusters Training Manual. And I just adored that thing, even though it was like 20 pages long and it was just basically a sticker book. Right. It was something that I just adored. And, uh, you know, over the years I was like, why isn't there something like, why wasn't there never something like this for older readers? You know, because I never really grew out of that book. I wanted to move on to something else, but there was nothing else. You know, you could get the role-playing game. I was like, well, I just don't have enough friends that are into this to play a role-playing game with. I, you know, I just want to, uh, I just, I just want to read about the, the ghosts and and that kind of stuff. So, that's that was my first idea, and that was a long gestating idea. I was like, if I ever get a chance to do something, I was like, we need to bring this to life. We need to bring this to life. And I wrote a book called How to Survive a Sharknado for Penguin Random House. And uh, it was about how to survive a Sharknado and like 39 other uh, other sci-fi channel movie monsters. <laughs> and it was actually an in-world book that appeared on screen in Sharknado 2. It was written by Tara Reid's character, April Wexler. So I was like, I had a little bit of experience then doing a, a tie-in in-world book. And my editor at Penguin Random House asked, is there anything else you'd like to work on? And I said, Ghostbusters. And he said, well, Ghostbusters is dead. You know, it's a dead franchise. You've probably heard this a million times before, but, you know, without a new movie, without uh, an anniversary date coming, we just passed the anniversary date 30 years, you know, without any of this stuff coming up, it's dead. And then uh, about a year later, uh, he gives me a call and says, hey, they're actually doing this. A uh, new movie. Are you interested? And I was like, absolutely. I go, I want to do Tobin's Spirit Guide. Let's do it. And then it was like, well, someone else is actually doing Tobin's Spirit Guide. <laughs> <laughs> and the new movie's a reboot. And so immediately I go, oh. <laughs> Chance I was, blown. Oh. I know. I was like, it's what? This, you know, they say, but then since the new movie's a reboot, there is no Tobin Spirit Guide in the new movie. They're looking for another book. And it's actually written into the movie as as an in-world book. So, um, 
you know, I, I, I was a little disappointed at first that it was a reboot because I just had no idea what to expect. And then when I read it, it was a script by Paul Feig and Katie Dippold. And, you know, I just loved uh, all of Paul Feig's stuff. And, and, you know, it sort of went from there. I was like, well, and I started reading it and I go, this is really funny. You know, this is going to be really good. And I had total faith in it. I'm like, I'm on board. And they said, yeah. great, let's, uh, uh, you know, and then skip forward through uh, me, you know, taking care of anybody else who wanted that job. And um, <laughs> a trail of dead bodies in your wake. All right. Let's just uh, leave. <laughs> let's just. Uh, yeah, you might have to cut this part out. I don't know if I want that on tape. Why, why are you making those Robert Durst? Like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was in the bathroom and I didn't know you were recording still. <laughs> What's that stain spot in the basement? <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that's, it. That's slime. That's slime. Um, all right. Well, we'll, well, your secret is safe with us. We won't put Excellent. that in. I Excellent. don't think. Um, but so, so you got the script, and they had already told you that this book appeared in World. That I mean, even just with that little bit, that's that's very tricky. I mean, creating a backstory, knowing that they are building a new universe, they're rebooting it, they may have plans for all of these characters. Um, you know, even like you know, actors naturally in their process, and the director works with them with the writer to come up with backstories for their characters. You know, where do you start? How do you do? You start fleshing something out, and then do you bounce it off of Ghost Core, or do they come to you with like a show bible and say, "Here's kind of the notes that we have. Make it into something." What What were you given besides that screenplay? Uh, just the screenplay at first, and and then I did a, a sort of uh, mock up of you know a proposal of what I would do with this, what I would do with the book. And sent that in, and they said, "That's great. Let's go ahead and do this." And then they're like, "Just write some more, uh, some more uh, samples, uh, a couple sample chapters." And then, as soon as I turned those sample chapters in, plus the rest of the proposal, um, we got notes a couple weeks later back from Paul Feig and Katie Dippold, and said, uh, "Here's what we, you know, the direction we want to go in. Here's what." Uh, we need to change. I mean, my my idea at first was to you know do something more along the lines of a Tobin Spirit Guide, and they're like, no, this is uh, it's uh, you know this is what the book is in in the world, and they're not really so much paranormal investigators as they start off as scientists. So mm. uh, so it it sort of took a little bit of a different angle than than what my first take was, and I said, okay, let's work this back up, and and really work the sort of the science and the physics theme throughout the whole book. And so it really is looking at, you know, this new world here through these characters, uh, Aaron Gilbert and Abby Yates's eyes. And, and I really had to get into them. Now, like you said, uh, what else was I given? Well, uh, not much, you know, beyond uh, their notes. So, so a lot of that was left up to me to, sort of fill in the blanks. All I had was the script and, um, you know, I was just sort of hoping and praying they didn't, you know, they they do a lot of ad lib for Paul Feig movies. And I was like, I hope they don't, you know, ad lib something on set. Like, Oh, when I was a kid, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. When they say I was a kid in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And they're like, no, no, no. Battle Creek, Battle Creek. I know Aww. it's better. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so there was a, so there was a little stress, a little stress, 
on on mine because I was like, I hope I don't have to rewrite a lot of this stuff. But the, we had a lot of time to work on it, which is good because I had a ton of research to do. Yeah. Uh, because like I said, I, I, I sort of envisioned more of a paranormal investigator's thing. And I didn't really know much about how science would tie into that. And so I had to find out. You know, so I had two stacks of books on my desk. One was all paranormal books and the other was all science books. And I had to find out a way to sort of connect those two worlds um, and, you know, without it seeming, you know, with, with it being plausible. Yeah. And I mean, to um, me, that like seeing seeing how much research you had done um, and in addition to what you supplemented with stuff that you had created as well, that's that was the most impressive part. I actually I mean, now that I have you, I want to double check a couple of your sources here. Um <laughs> The uh, the handbook for the recently deceased. How did you get your hands on that? For one, oh, you know that's um, uh, I can't I can't go into that. That's <laughs> okay. All right. And then how about uh, Eleanor Fisk's uh, "Fiends with Benefits: The True Stories of Paranormal Love"? I, I'm looking for that one for a friend. Could you maybe <laughs> point me in the right direction of that one? Oh, uh, I will say uh, if there's anything you're unsure of. Uh, go check it out on Goodreads. Oh, okay. Or Amazon. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the books that appear to be made up, you know, are out there. I'm not going to say how they got out there, but <laughs> um, but I wanted to have it be you know a really a bigger sort of expansive world than just uh, you know just in this book. I was like, it'd be really cool if you know I started creating like different covers and stuff for a lot of the books that are that are in world that are in here so man that's good to know know, one of the things is when you're doing something like this with ghostbusters with such a rabid fan base you know that if you don't create it someone's going to you know you you look at the tobin spirit guides that have been created by fans over the years you look at um, you know different covers for any of the uh uh different in-world books that were out there. Anything they mentioned, even briefly on the animated series or, or in one of the movies, you know, someone has gone out there and created a book and they created a prop for it. And it's just amazing. And so... <laughs> no, I was supposed to say, when my phone uh, connects to my car, my wife uh, initially asked me, who's Leon Zundiger? I was like, I name all my <laughs> Apple devices after <laughs> Ghostbusters books. <laughs> Oh yeah, the Zundinger. There was uh, one one of the one of the problems I I came up with was I had a list of all of the books that are in world in the original universe, and then all the books that are in world in the new universe. And I sort of mixed some of them up at one point, and so I had some of the other books sort of appearing here. And and I think my editor was like, "Are you trying to leave Easter eggs on purpose?" Uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like. No, 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 no. Because I had to be very, uh, very conscious of that, you know, trying not to, you know, really lead people on to, to yeah, I, I didn't want to leave. Because <laughs> there'd be enough of that once the trailer came out anyway, so. Yeah, it, it sort of happened naturally, yeah. <laughs> well, we kind of saw what happened with just that, that, um, that April Fool's Day joke. Yes. Where they mixed up Holtzman's right. name. And Egon's name together, and people are like, "Oh, what does this mean?" I go, "Nothing. It's just big people are just trying to have fun. <laughs> they don't know what fun is." It's a joke. You see, you laugh at it. It's funny. <laughs> 
Well, so let's talk about, so the one thing that I did love that you did is you really develop the, the childhoods of both Aaron and Abby, and you, you really get into how these two met originally and how they grew up together and, and sort of were the outcasts in elementary school. And, um, and they both have these great sort of, uh, origin stories that you detail. What did you draw from your own childhood for any of these, or are these all purely fictional? I'm, I mean, did you dress up like a ghost? It's okay. You can admit it to us and, <laughs> and everybody that's listening. Um, I did not dress up like a ghost as a kid, um, but just because, you know, my mom wouldn't let me cut holes in sheets. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. That's true. I, I dressed up, you know how many times I dressed up as like a hobo? <laughs> They're like, guess what? You're going as a hobo again this year. I'm like, that means I'm putting on dad's flannel and I'm putting on my jeans that have tears in them. And that's, I'm, I'm yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so my childhood Halloween sometimes were, were a little on the lean side, even leaner than, <laughs> than, than, than a ghost sheet. But yeah, in in the screenplay, you know, there's about I don't know maybe a page or, or so about their childhood. We didn't really have a lot on their childhood, and they're like, okay, if you could just expand on that to you know sixty, seventy pages or something, that'd be great. Uh, and at first, it was a little bit intimidating because I was like, these are you know Paul and Katie's characters, and I knew that as soon as I wrote this, I was going to have to send it off to them and get their feedback on what was essentially a rough draft. Um, for any writers out there, getting feedback on rough drafts is, um, you know, it's it's just showing off a raw nerve. Yeah, that's very terrifying, especially when you're trying to find the voice of these characters that they're still shooting and improving and stuff too. You're probably still honing it in yourself, right? And and it actually, what had happened was um, when I originally got the script, I was told that Abby Yates was being played by Leslie Jones, I believe, and Patty Tolan was Melissa McCarthy, which is something that. Uh, Paul has alluded to in interviews, and uh, yeah, and uh, apparently I, for whatever reason, I didn't get the memo that they switched up, and so I was trying to write them, you know, in what I imagined the voice of those, you know, act- actors would be. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting, and then I had to s- sort of switch some stuff around, but but yeah, just to, the idea of sending off a, a rough draft to someone who is. You know, one of my comedy heroes, Paul Feig, I was like, uh, uh, kind of freaking out a bit. Yeah, and, be gentle. Yeah. Yeah. And then got the notes back. And, and so what I did was I, I thought I'd stack the deck a little bit. And this is kind of embarrassing. I was like, you know what? They go to the University of Michigan. I did, I read a lot of, uh, a couple of Paul Feig's books that he has out about his childhood. And so I sort of threw some nods into like some of his childhood experiences. And then I threw in like, Oh, well he's from Michigan. So I threw in all these like Detroit and battle Creek references. And, and it really just was totally pandering to my audience at that point. (laughs) And I, and I got it back and he was like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I was like, I know nothing about I'm sorry. I've never been to Michigan before in my life. I know nothing about this. I, I, my bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they say, write what you know. Um, and I was writing what I had no idea about, uh, which was good though, that he caught it all. And, you know, and it was like, um, you know, devil's night is not Halloween night in Detroit. And I'm like, uh, I'm just going off Eminem records at this point. Okay. 
basically that was my in. I was like, okay, what do I what do I know from Eminem, Insane Clown Posse, and Kid Rock albums? Yeah, and and what did they show in the first season of Freaks and Geeks? The first and only season of Freaks and Geeks that I can mind, probably. Yeah, right, right. So so that's that was that was sort of my jumping off point. Um, but from there, you know, we we got some some pretty cool little stories about their childhood, and then and then their college days. I sort of was like I can sort of you know base this a little bit more upon my own experiences. I think there's one uh, there's one little anecdote in there about a uh, sort of a really smarmy professor who who asks them for the the textbook, flips through it, and then tosses it in the trash. I actually had a professor do that. No, you're you know, kidding. Like a two hundred dollar textbook, you know, and I'm like, uh, I'm going up, you know, whoever whoever's book he had taken, they're like going to reclaim that out of the trash room, uh, <laughs> a trash can and yeah so some of that stuff in there and uh the characters have sort of a uh, a crush on david duchovny um you know that was sort of based on my my love of the x-files and so so yeah so there's a little bit of myself in there and a little bit of paul and and you know probably a, a little bit of katie as well Oh, that's that's awesome. I can't believe you actually had a professor that did that. I, when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that's funny. I couldn't believe that that would be real. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, these things are grossly out of date. Uh, so uh, the, uh, speaking of books, look at that segue. Uh, the research that you talked about in some of the books that you had pulled, you mentioned all of these books that you surrounded yourself with. What were some of the strangest things that you had read that you tried to incorporate in there um, thematically or details or f- theories, uh, that sort of thing? What what struck you the most as like, oh, my God, that's strange. That's weird. Well, you know, the the weird part about it was was that uh, the more that I read about paranormal stuff, the less I believed. Oh, really? So so I should s- stay right off. Up front, I'm an agnostic. I'm a skeptic about supernatural claims and stuff. I love it in entertainment, though. It's a really weird sort of uh, dichotomy there where, you know, I can't get enough of horror films and paranormal books and anything. But at the same time, my BS meter just goes off when when (laughs) I hear someone say, you know, relate an experience or something. Um, you know, cause I, I'm like Fox Mulder. I want to believe, but I just, I just don't for the most part. And, and so, yeah, the more I read, I would just say, oh my God, that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's even crazier. And, and I think it, it culminated in this book that I read that was about 500 pages and it spent about half the book talking about orb photos. Now, right. if you're not familiar with what orb photos are. Um, they are basically photographs of dust (laughs) (laughs) and spots on cameras and pollen and stuff. So the first, they, they only started, it's weird. They only started appearing when the first digital cameras started coming out in the, in the mid nineties. And then as digital cameras became more advanced, these photos of these sort of glowing orbs that floated in front of cameras, they they disappeared after a number of years as the technology got better, and it was just that the cameras were either having trouble focusing or 
uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly the, the technical reasons why, but, you know, the camera manufacturers are like, Kodak was like, this is a known issue, just ignore it. But people in paranormal are like, oh my goodness, that <laughs> is a ghost. There's another ghost. And they would go to these places. It was so embarrassing to read this book. It's about 500 pages and half of it is this woman just going to different places saying, look at that ghost. Look at that ghost. Just taking these pictures and then looking in the viewfinder or whatever and saying, oh, there's all these ghosts all over. And and they would the places they would find the most ghosts would be the dustiest places. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's Death so Valley many ghosts yeah. in the library. Dude, you would not believe all the ghosts, especially in the rare books room. I was oh like, wow. God. It not have anything to do with all these dusty old books, could it? And, yeah. So, so that was written in the mid-90s. And uh, it, it was just... So secondhand embarrassment was unbearable reading this book. Oh man! But I feel like that that sort of helps you by being a skeptic. You're questioning the things that you're writing into the book, so you're coming up with the counterpoints, like you know uh, something I had never thought of until I read the book, and I and it kind of struck me as, oh my god, why have I never thought of that? You know, ghosts cross to the other side and they're wearing clothes why do their clothes come with them that doesn't make any sense right the right so, right so you're able to build out that little section of the book as to well here's some possible explanations but they all sound they cut they kind of sound like bs to me um yeah yeah so the the whole book really i would i would find these weird tangents like the orb thing i was like i gotta throw that in the book and so there's a there's a gag in the introduction where it says you know the book used to be 450 pages but we cut out 200 pages of orb photos uh, because we found out that there was dust on abby's camera lens so sorry about that um so so that actually got incorporated and you're right like the stuff where people ask why do ghosts wear why do ghosts always wear clothes i was like well why do they now when you try to connect that up with science you're like there's no scientific reason for this there's no scientific reason for a lot of the stuff <laughs> for any of it but yeah it was it was just it was a lot of fun to sort of go off in those tangents find the the weirder sort of stuff that people in that let's see there was another book that i read where a woman was saying about how she was like well the first time i had sex with a ghost and i'm like what <laughs> the first time, the first like, time. It, was, it was in college and uh, this ghost came th- into uh, my dorm room and had sex with me and then afterwards had sex with my roommate okay and all right this happened for like a week I was like, what? Um, yeah, so you find stuff like that, and you go, how do I incorporate that into this book? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you did so wonderfully. That's, uh, <laughs> are, are you talking about the, the lips? Is that the, the joke about the, um, the lips appearing? That's, yes, the lips. Uh, yep. The, the lips. I, I will yep. say no more. I don't want to spoil the joke because it's pretty funny, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought that's where you were going toward. Um, how about uh, the the Yates Gilbert equation? Where where did that originate? Um, because I would imagine some some mathematician out there is going to be double checking you. So I'm I'm wondering well, where I'll, where that originated. I'll tell you, a mathematician has already double checked that. Uh, James Maxwell, who uh, did the video for the the Higgins Institute online. Yeah, 
the behind the scenes, he actually wrote up most of the the scientific stuff that has to do with the proton packs and the ghost uh, finders and everything, the PKE meters, everything in there. So there's a section in the book that's written by uh, Jillian Holtzman that is all all of his words, basically. Um, I, I don't think he licks any of his equipment like Jillian does, but uh, it's uh, it is uh, uh, all stuff that he looked at, and then and then there's also some other stuff that I sort of threw in, which was sort of the the uh, uh, the equation that you're referring to, which is supposed to be an equation that proves the existence of ghosts, and. Um, yeah, I think he kind of took one look at it, and he's like, well, this is just basic level, uh, you know, pre-calculus or something. And I was like, well, uh, it is. It's just a bunch. It's just a bunch of garbage. <laughs> but, you know, the reason why is because obviously we can't put the real equations in this book. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would it's, be absolutely dangerous. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. You'll notice there's actually some other sections that are redacted for right. that reason because the research is just too dangerous. It's too groundbreaking. People aren't ready for it yet. Yeah. I think that's that, that <laughs> explains why the basic calculus is in there is because we're just not ready for what, what the truth holds. Yeah. Right. If you could recognize it as the basic calculus that it is, congratulations. You've passed the first test <laughs> on your step towards becoming a ghostbuster. I love it. I love it. Um, so let's talk. There's a couple of, of Easter eggs, even though you said that you were consciously trying not to uh, to to lay some of them in there, but uh, especially fan based ones. There's the the Kemp guide, obviously. Um, you know the name Ambrose. Mm-hmm. I noticed. Uh, I think you blew some of the S have some guys' minds when you started talking about multiverse, because I know that they love <laughs> multiverses. <laughs> Um, is there, you know, are, are there things that you worked in there, uh, consciously towards the fans or, or things that you wanted to work in, but ultimately couldn't? Yeah. When I, when I originally, like I said, when I originally started writing it, I, w- I wanted to throw in as much I was like, I'll do all these sorts of nods to the animated series and this and that, and really sort of stripped most of that out because I wanted it to really stand on its own. I think that was just getting more confidence with it. I yeah. think every, I just really sort of used that as maybe a crutch early on. It was, I, I need to really branch out and do, you know, my own thing with this book. And I think that's you know what you see Paul and Katie do with the movie as well, is really branch out and do their own thing. There's some, there's a lot of nods, obviously, towards the original stuff, both in the movie and in the book. Um, but, you know, there's some stuff in there, like we, Threw in the nod like John Belushi's ghost, right? Yeah, especially in the yeah in the ghost chapter, there's a there's a, and there's just stuff that I throw in just to amuse myself. You know, I <laughs> I, I love Christmas, so I throw in a Krampus nod. As uh, as you should, yeah. Cthulhu is in there, and uh, yeah, um, well, and and it seems too that you you also just did some turns of phrases, some familiar phrases too almost as winks and nods to certain things like, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it. So I'm paraphrasing your paraphrase, but con- uh, converging the streams would be absolutely uh, fatal or absolutely dangerous. Or you, you had a great sort of turn on don't cross the streams in there that I loved. Um, I was trying to think of a few others, but yeah, it's, it's nice. It, be, it sort of, it nodded toward the originals, but also kind of made it its own new thing, which, which is fantastic. 
any are there any particular sections of the book that you're you're proud of or took the most most heavy lifting most doing um you know the the ones that really took the the most work I'm I'm really proud of. There's some stuff in here about the the background of the different uh, different people who um, created the the ghost paranormal taxonomy. So you get a little idea of uh, Vernon Heiss and his occult manifestation index, and that's a, a character that actually ties into uh, another character in the oh, new interesting. movie. Interesting, in a way. Um, so, so if you, yeah, they'll just look at the, the last name there. So he ties into a uh, character in this book. And, and so there were little things where I tried to sort of connect the dots and make it seem, make it seem like the sort of profession of ghost busting is the culmination of years and years of these researchers and investigators and historians. And it sort of culminated with Abby and Aaron's research. So it's not just that they were these college kids and figured this thing out that no one else knew. It was that they were building upon all this other research and it took this many years to get to the bottom of what ghosts are. So, so that, I think that was some, that was, I really liked how uh, we were able to blend the real world and then the fictional world together um, in those, in those chapters so seamlessly so that you might have a hard time telling what's real and what's not. Yeah, it, it is. It's pretty seamless. I have no idea what was made up and what's uh, true. And now that I'm going to go to Goodreads and Amazon and look up the books, I still have no idea. Thanks, Andrew. Jeez. <laughs> it, uh, and I also threw in a uh, an origin story for Kevin's saxophone. It's kind of a hidden Easter egg. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go back and read. I, uh, the Kevin's section, by the way, is pure delight <laughs> love kevin's epitaph at the end uh or, that was a character that i wanted to write a lot more in his voice and uh, you know as soon as i started writing that i was like this oh my god this guy is so much fun to write and i just can't imagine um, all of the improv that they did on set his the stuff that Chris Hemsworth did with that character was I, cause I had no idea when I was writing the book who was going to play that. And then when I saw that it was Chris Hemsworth and I saw the photos from the set, I, I was like, oh, I get this now. And so I went back and revised it and, and it really, uh, it, it really sings. Yeah. So I was going to ask what was up next for you. Does that mean that your next book is going to be Kevin knows Kevin? <laughs> um, I, I I would love to do another Ghostbusters book, but Kevin. Yeah, I I I can only cross my fingers. <laughs> well, us too. We'll absolutely cross our fingers because I I loved reading this book. I'd love to read more of them. Um, maybe if you can hint to Paul and Katie and and Ivan next time you uh, talk to them when you guys are, are brunching in Beverly Hills or whatever, just be like, oh hey, yeah, yeah, more more books in these movies, guys. Let's just let's put pile on the books. Let's do more of these. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? I mean, it, what else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the gift that'll keep on giving. Um, so, uh, Chris, did I miss anything? Anything you want to ask Andrew while we've got him uh, on the line? You forgot to ask one thing: Will there be an audio book? Yes, there will be an audio. Ah! Book. <laughs> That's all it I need is. To know. There is an audio book. 
It is read by professional audiobook narrators. I feel I should say that up front. Not not by the movie characters. That would have been quite the coup. Um, every every time, like I did the the uh, Sharknado book, I was like, "Is Tara Reed actually going to read my book?" <laughs> um, I'm, th- that did not happen, of course. So so yeah, but I just heard the first samples today from the audio book, and they are amazing. Um, the the actors that portray the characters really got into them, and they're actually doing like really spooky, scary voices. They're like, there will be hell to pay. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing like the, uh, I think the voice that you do, Chris, um, is that the, <laughs> the, the, the Sandman. The Sandman. Sandman. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, both the time, coincidentally, both the time I had a toddler, I had a child, uh, I stopped having time to really read as much as I used to uh, mm-hmm. with my own two eyes. So I became that much more of a big fan of well-done audiobooks. So, yeah, I'm just thrilled that there's going to be an audiobook. I, uh, yeah. 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 When and, when does that release? Do you know yet? Andrew? Oh, yeah. It's, it's the same, same day. Oh, I think it is. It's a da- I think it's a download, though. Um, it's not like a CD. Um, but oh, no. Those are long gone. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah and and uh, there's one scene in the book where they actually do a rap, and I have heard through the grapevine that they actually rap in <laughs> the audio book as well. <laughs> See, I find the more uh, books tend to be setting themselves up to be um, how do I put this uh they're they're designed to present themselves much more like uh, nonfiction books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your book, obviously, or John Hodgman's uh, uh, books of complete oh, yeah, world knowledge, or uh, Greg Proops's uh, smartest man or smartest book in the world. All those things. The more they turn themselves, they present themselves as these nonfiction books. The more there's a lot of this either sidebar stuff or footnote stuff or strange little sides that let them play with it more than just a person reading, you know, just reading pure text. It gives them room for sound effects or in your case, a rap, uh, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. I actually was reading one of the Hodgman books while I was writing this. So a little bit of that, that Hodgman humor may have bled over, <laughs> Um, a a shared love of hobos yes yes there is indeed um, not just from my own past dressing up as a hobo on Halloween but there is I think one or two hobo references within (laughs) Ghost from Our Past I'm, I'm always throwing in these little things again just to amuse myself really and sometimes I worry, you know, I'm like, what is my editor going to say? And in this case, it was like, oh, my God, what is Paul being going to say? Um, <laughs> you know, and I just got the notes back from them. I don't have an interaction with them. So they can't say, what are you thinking here? And then I would try to explain myself, I think. I would say, oh, well, the hobo thing. Well, let me tell you about that. I was reading a lot of Hodgman at the time, and there's this ongoing hobo joke. 
never mind. Let's just take it out. Uh, but I think the hobo joke is in here <laughs> still. Um, it, it's, it may seem inexplicable uh, to a lot of people, but I think there was one thing in, in their childhoods that I had Abby going off and getting lost in the woods, I believe. And I remember Paul's note on it was this. He just goes, this is very, very bizarre. (laughs) And I'm thinking, is that a good bizarre or a bad bizarre? Like, are you saying more of this or less of this? Yeah. Like Andrew, did this happen to you in real life? Because if so, I'm really worried about you and your dad for leaving you out there the entire time. I know he's just so 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 there was there 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 was a even a much longer extended getting lost in the woods scene that it got cut down a little bit just because it went to some weird places <laughs> um, you know and then and then I know one thing that I threw in my editor was just like that is way dark man you know no no, but no. Do you mind? Would, would you tell us, or do you not want to tell us what that was? I I can't say it. It's so it's too it was, dark. It was so dark and so inappropriate. You know, this is a this is a PG thirteen movie, and uh, whew, uh, this was <laughs> this was obvious. This is a, this is a not for the audience for this book. That's, Remember, Troy, this is a guy that joked about killing off the competition in order to write the book. So. True, say no more. That's that is right. PG compared to... I was just like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I should not have put that. You're right. I Thank you for catching that before you sent that off and you know sent Dan Aykroyd over the edge on this one on me because... <laughs> But one of the yeah, one of the cool things was that they did then send uh, a draft of it to Dan, um, who I'm just calling Dan now. Apparently, you guys are buds. It sounds yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. And and he said he loved it, and um, that was that was great. Uh, yeah. I was gonna. It, it feels to me when I was reading it at one point, I thought this must be what it's like to have lunch with Dan Aykroyd. Like this, this <laughs> conversation is probably what we would be talking about. I, I was I, I I did read his father's book and uh, sort of based the structure of this one off of that book. So again, I always pan always be pandering uh, as a writer. <laughs> did you did you get any feedback from Dan on the book, or or was it just a, a heads up or a, a heads up or a thumbs up kind of of deal? It was like a you know just just a, a wink and a nod through somebody through somebody through somebody through somebody. You know? <laughs> Uh, we're not at the brunch uh, stage uh, okay. yet. For, not for yet. Friendship, not yet. but you know, uh, I gotta gotta run into him at some point, right? I would think so. Absolutely. You know, from you yeah. w- for when you write uh, Kevin. Kevin knows Kevin. You've got to get a, a little interview in there with him or something. Yeah. Will oh, yeah. Re- Will readers be able to uh, cross paths with you anywhere for signings or? Oh yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, there is going to be a signing in L.A. Uh, at the Perky Nerd in Burbank. Um, and that's at a Ghostbusters fan art tribute show. Ooh, That will be on July the 8th from 8 to 10 p.m. It's the Perky Nerd. Excellent. Now, if so. Troy and I pay for the costs, will you be signing... Uh, 
shirtless saxophone headshots of yourself. We'll pay for it. Photographer, the, printing, <laughs> top price. I don't have I don't have a saxophone anymore. I did I did have one uh, in junior high, but I don't anymore. But I do have shirtless headshots of myself. I was in a competition a few years ago called the Mr. Romance Competition at a romance novel convention. And they did not have enough cover models for this competition they were doing. And so I was one of the only guys around, um, one of the only guys in the romance novel industry or on the peripheries of it. And so they said, hey, could you do this? I was sure. And they go, well, take your shirt off. I'm like, I am overweight. And they're like, there's this thing called Photoshop. (laughs) We'll just, they airbrushed abs onto, their worst looking abs onto me. And uh, so many terrible stories start with now take off your shirt. (laughs) Right. That's not something you like. I'm going here. I'm here as a writer. And they're like, yeah, but we, we need, we need you. I mean, whenever, you know, whenever some woman says I need you, I'm, I'm right there. Oh yeah. Shirt's coming off. All right. Sure. Shirt's coming off. I'm sure I'll do it. I'll do it. If I must, I, I did not win the competition. Unfortunately, well, that's yeah. I've, when you first said you uh, you entered the Mister Romance competition, I was like, "What did your wife think about that? Aren't you married?" <laughs> uh, yeah, to a different wife now. Though, oh, so that, okay. Uh, yep, uh, there we go. I see. So I. Uh, uh, well, hey, the book is Ghost from Our. <laughs> Uh, no, that's uh, so. Book does come out uh, tomorrow, as you guys hear this. If you haven't pre-ordered it already, please go do it now. You you owe it to yourself. And uh, hopefully, if you're in the Burbank, California area, go uh, get it signed by Mr. Andrew because it's it's super awesome. And Andrew, where where can everybody find you out there on the interwebs? I think I'm going on underground. Um. <laughs> Us too, <laughs> totally. So yeah, there we go. So nobody can find you anywhere. No. Just no. so they know. All right. We need, we need to start a Sony Shield dark web or something where we can just hang out together <laughs> exactly. in peace and quiet. The inner sanctum. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, inner sanctum of slime. Oh, it writes itself. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Andrew. We really appreciate you being with us. And uh, hey, thanks for writing such an awesome book. It was a, a pleasure to read. Thank you. Hey Chris, hey Troy, it's Rob from beautiful Coney Island, New York. I've called before and I can't believe I actually forgot to say it's Miller time. I was just too excited to get the call in. But yeah, I was really excited. But I wanted to say this. I work at Midtown Comics in New York. You guys should all come, swing by. I'll hook you up as best I can. But my thing is, Extreme Ghostbusters. It is what it, it was what it was. It was good. Had a lady on the team. Real Ghostbusters. Janine Melman. She was on the team. She had a pack. Dapper Dan Shorting. His comic. Had Melanie and, and Kylie again. And Janine again. Wearing Ghostbusters arms. But I didn't hear anyone complain about it. Is it that you need to have four lady Ghostbusters before somebody complains? Or three? or two or none because it doesn't make any sense to me 
Nobody complained about one Ghostbuster in the 80s. Well, I know I didn't. Then in 97, we got Kylie. And then in IW, we got, we got three Ghostbusters. Nobody complained. Actually, everybody liked it from what I know. From the few people that actually do read that book that I know of in my stuff because most people suck. I don't understand what the big deal is. Could you please explain to me? I think if you have four girls, it's not good enough. I don't know. What do you guys think? Thanks for listening. See you on the other side. Almost forgot that too. What a terrible person. All right, really quick, before we get into our interview here with Eric Burnham, I know that this episode is running really long, but uh, you guys have been leaving us some really great reviews on iTunes, and I thought that I would read one that was most recent here. Uh, This is from Promethean Works, who says that we're saving the day. He says that our podcast is perfect for casual and hardcore fans alike. And then Promethean Works says, I stumbled across Troy and Chris's GIC last year whilst combing for podcasts in the gym and have been a loyal listener ever since, and for good reason. Always prepared, always lovingly produced. There's no finer fandom-run portal for Ghostbusters anywhere. Tune in for news, reviews, humor, and more. I know I will. Thanks so much for that review, Promethean Works. And now, without any further delay, let's chat with Mr. Eric Burnham from the IDW Comics and the author of Tobin's Spirit Guide. All right, so joining us for our marathon podcast, uh, once again, we've got another amazing author of an in-world book here with us. We've got Eric Burnham. You know him from the Ghostbusters IDW series, Ghostbusters International, on shelves now. Go pick it up. But you probably also know him from Tobin's Spirit Guide. No, no, no. He's not Tobin. He's Eric Burnham. That's We'll get into that with him. Hey, Eric, how's it going? It's going pretty good, guys. How about you? Good, good. Sweet. Uh, this is uh, so you're you're joining us on our podcast with Andrew Schaefer. We've got the two uh, writers of the tomes in world on one podcast, uh, and and both of you guys have to share the byline. Are you okay with that? Do you feel all right with sharing a byline with Spangler and Stans here? You know, I think I can live with it. Okay. At the end of the day, <laughs> with fake people. With fake people. With fake people. You know, it was funny. The other day on Instagram, I saw a guy who was talking about how great the book was, and he credited Kyle and Ray and Egon and didn't mention me at all. So I'm like, well, I know who the stars are here. (laughs) And and the funny thing about that, too, is this is the first time we've had you on the podcast, even though we've talked about a million times, like, we need to have Eric on the show. We have to get Eric on the show. We've had Dan on the show, and I know poor poor you were like, Dan, oh, Dan puts all these Easter eggs in the book, and Dan does this, and Dan does But no, Eric's the writer on this book. We never acknowledge poor Eric. That's okay. That's okay. Dan is uh, Dan. I, I told him earlier when I saw some pages from the from the latest issue. Dan, you're my hero, and he is. He's he is, and Luis both. I mean, we we're just straight up a team. It's we're all. Uh, I'm babbling because I'm tired, but no, no, no we, we no. all uh, we all feel the credit and we all feel the love, no matter who's getting the spotlight. It's all good. Well, I do. While I have the opportunity to tell you in person, uh, as I've told Dan, and hopefully we'll get to tell Tom and Louie as well. Man, thank you for that IDW book. Like the work that you guys put into it, it's just it's such a pleasure to read every month, and I'm so glad we've got another ongoing series, and we love talking about it on the podcast and. Yeah, th- thank you, man. I, all the hours that you spend and all of the sleepless uh, time that you're in a coffee shop trying to keep caffeinated to write those <laughs> scripts, it, it really shows. So thank you. Well, well thank you. It's it's uh, literally a labor of love, so I'm I'm happy so many people have been enjoying it. I'm, uh, I'll take this moment then to uh, uh, 
offer my public apology to Eric, uh, who after our podcast a couple of weeks ago there, uh, Cyclotron, uh, gently and respectfully informed me that uh, not all bamboo canes are comedy (laughs) bamboo canes. It's true. It's true. I've got one. I've got one upstairs. (laughs) That thing... That thing is nice and strong. So Egon, yeah. Egon can have a bamboo cane. Apparently, they come in, yes, different uh, tensile comedy strengths. What did you call it? A, what was it? A Buster Keaton cane? What did you call it? A Chaplin cha- cane. Chaplin cane. Chaplin cane. Yeah. Chaplin yeah. cane. God, where, where's my head? Ridiculously thin. Yeah. His his. Now that I think about it, are more like the the walking cane version of the those little sticks you get to stick in your garden so vines can grow and all that for your tomato plants to climb up whereas yes bamboo comes in various I was diameters. covering for Dan basically it was what I was doing <laughs> the cane design but I'm like no no it's okay Dan knows his business it's fine Egon, Egon's okay Dan doesn't know his business have you, have you seen the fingernails have we talked about the fingernails <laughs> the fingernails it's alright Dan uh, we love you too don't don't take this to heart, <laughs> for Dan. Yeah. Let's 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 dive in, because um, of course, as far as we're concerned, as comic readers, uh, you um, depending on how long you've been reading comics. Uh, for some people, you popped up with the co- the the IDW comics. Uh, others may have run into you a little earlier than that. But kind of, you know, can you step us through before we get to the book? Can you kind of step us from? From young Eric to the world of writing, world of writings to comics, comics to IDW. We're getting really Terry Gross on you, man. Where yeah. did you begin? <laughs> okay, where did I begin? Um, well, uh, I, I, I made comics out of boredom in grade school, you know, flipping over the paper, stapling it, and going to town. Uh, in high school, I was, uh, I was writing uh, plays and, and short stories for fun as well. Um, and then uh, a few years ago, well... Almost uh, over 15, around the around the year 2000, I was laid off from a job at a radio station. Had a lot of time on my hands. Was on the internet. Was hanging out on comic boards, um, and uh, meeting people. We were chatting at one point. We were complaining about. Well, they were complaining. I, I don't have a comic shop, so I wasn't reading all the books that they were complaining about. <laughs> we don't like this. We don't like this. This isn't as good as it used to be when we were kids. This isn't good as it used to be five years ago. Somebody finally piped up and said. Well, could we do better? Should we put our money where our mouth is? And so we did. Um, we did a 80-page uh, anthology, came together in less than a year, which is insanely fast. Um, and that was out August of 2002, my first uh, comic story. And that rolled into a small press company that went for a while. And uh, that's where I met Tom Waltz. His first uh, miniseries was printed through that same company before he went to IDW. And... Um, when he went to IDW, he, he got a hold of me because he liked the character that I was doing uh, in that uh, that indie book, uh, comedy character. He liked that character. He asked me if I'd be interested in pitching in a horror anthology, which was the exact opposite of the character I was writing. <laughs> I said, hey, sure, here, here are some ideas. And he liked one. It went. I got uh, a miniseries based on a, a Pokemon-like toy uh, shortly thereafter, and then he emailed me and said, do you like the A-Team? Dude, I love the A-Team! And I did an A-Team, uh, half of an A-Team miniseries. And after that, he uh, was was when I found out that he was editing Ghostbusters, and I was begging him to take a crack at a miniseries. And uh, that was when the, uh, the one-shots, the holiday one-shots were going. He said, yeah, we've right. got this whole year planned out, but, you know, kick me some ideas, we'll get them pre-approved, we'll see what we can make happen. 
sent him some ideas and, uh, you know, Sony liked him well enough, but they decided to do Infestation next. And um, he offered me that. I went with that. The response was so good. He said, hey, how about you come up with some ideas for an ongoing? We'll see if we can make that happen. It was approved about a week later. Oh, wow. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I started working on it. And um, and uh, we, we went from there. I started writing uh, the, uh, the first issue, the ongoing... <sighs> just about a month after infestation came out wow how does that work when you when you pitch an ongoing do you give them like a, a year or two sort of outlined how how much do you have to give them in order to to make it an ongoing well um the, the way it worked was they weren't sure if the the if if it would would hold an i mean you, you never know if it's going to hold an ongoing so he said uh give me about a year's worth of stories but make it so that they can end at any time, just in case yeah. you know nobody's left hanging. You know, you know, you're in the middle of a storyline, and we're like, we're done. Um, so <laughs> I gave him, I gave him about a year's worth of stories, and that even changed uh, while we were doing them, uh, because the Haunted America arc that was uh, uh, the first volume nine through twelve that wasn't in the initial plan, and I had uh, the the uh, the amusement park bit that I had initially was going to be. Um, was going to be a, a scooby-doo gag with you know some stand-ins you know and the, the dog would get possessed and that's how he's talking and they're chasing after the dog and you know silly things like that that just kind of um uh that kind of changed in the writing and uh yeah no it's i mean there was a lot of stuff uh, a lot of ideas that i had in fact the uh the ghost smashers arc was the first thing that i pitched to him before i got infestation oh interesting you know, so that that whole thing was yeah was the first thing that uh and and uh, and the the bit with death and the whole, all of that was was the first uh, stuff that I pitched and I, that I wound up using later, but um, no no there's there's an awful lot of, it's kind of like improv, <laughs> um, I, I I I make some of it up on the fly, um, I change some stuff when I see some of Dan's pencils. Sometimes I don't change it fast enough and I look at it and go wait that doesn't make as much sense Dan what did you do to me. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen that often. No. <laughs> if it does, we don't notice because no. I I feel like that's few and far between. Oh, it's 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 totally not something anybody would ever notice. It it only comes up when when I when I write something for one thing, thinking okay, I'm going to use this later, and then he throws in uh, he throws in an Easter egg, and I said I can't use this later. This is not going to work anymore. <laughs> they know that character. I can't use him. But uh, you know, I mean, that's that's where Dan gets his fun, and that's one of the reasons that the book is so much fun is is all the Easter eggs that he throws in. So I mean, it's not. I, I sound maybe like I'm carping. I'm really not. Hopefully, Dan doesn't you know like send mental daggers toward me because I love the <laughs> Easter eggs. It's because uh... <laughs> as we all know, Dan Shoning, if if he's one thing, it's uh, vindictive. It's true. Mental dagger. He's quite possibly I worry. I worry. The meanest, most vindictive person I've ever met. No. He's he's a wiry fella. He could take me down. It's just you know. Um, this, and I I think this goes back to what Troy was saying. We we do have to have you back on the show so we can dive in deep on the IDW stuff. But oh yeah, uh, just to kind of follow a bit of a thread that I think leads into the the book is um, at. And you can even say it may have even changed over time. How much uh, do you have to run stuff through Sony to get a, or or is it mostly they've said just you know don't do X, Y, and Z, and otherwise do whatever you want? Like how, how? that's that's really that's really what it was. The initial stuff that I was told way back when we first started the book: uh, no Dana, no Lewis, 
don't give them any, you know, invent any family members. Here's, you know, the dad or the mom or the brother. None of that. And um, also, uh, at, at first, <laughs> they, they really didn't want Slimer either. Oh, they didn't want, you know, they didn't want, like, uh, real Ghostbusters mascot Slimer. Well, I didn't do that, obviously. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Loophole. so... Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was, those were the the rules that we were set up with. And you know, as time went by, we, you know, they they trusted us more and allowed us to do more things. So everything still goes through Sony. And if uh, things need changing, they will mention something. The only stuff that they've mentioned so far has been just such minor tweaks, um, a word here or there or a color, and it's it's been completely minor. For a book that's been running about five years, that's unprecedented, and I'm feeling really fortunate uh, to have this working relationship, and I, I love it. So, Yeah, I mean, I feel right. like you guys have really built this huge mythology, which which actually leads into Tobin's Spirit Guide because of it's sort of integrated in and out of all of the cartoons and the video games and anything and everything. The IDW series blends just so seamlessly thanks to all the stuff that you guys have done, so... Um, you know, hat, hats off to you. That's that's quite a feat to make all of these things work in concert. But uh, well, you know, thank you. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and it's oh, so I was what I was going to get toward was like how do you how do you spin all of these plates? Because on top of this, you're also writing all of the the guidebooks for the uh, the board game, and you know, all of all of these backstories for for the video games, that kind of thing. Like the, all of these side projects, how do you juggle all of that on top of the lore that you're creating for the the IDW verse? Well, we, we talked about me in the coffee shop all day with the, <laughs> that's that's how I do it. <laughs> um, no, no, it really is it really is uh, it's not that hard because I enjoy it so much. And again, I, I've talked about Dan before. If I forget something, he remembers. So we're all good there. I mean, if 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 there's anything, he'll he'll shoot me an email and say, "Hey, remember this," or he'll catch it and he'll fix it in the art without you know me being smart enough to tell him so i mean uh if if i if i fall then you know i mean right there he he catches me and the book runs seamlessly uh the other stuff i just have a lot of notes and i refer to him so yeah yeah and you know just the exact emotional moment to throw in like a tia reference and really hurt all of our feelings <laughs> like oh oh that's so yeah, sad oh, yeah so there's i mean it's uh, it it's comedy heavy but we're, we're throwing a little bit of drama in there uh, just so the comedy has has you know something to release the pressure from, yeah. And um, yeah, no, there's 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 some more there's some more stuff coming up that that you know may or may be not be dramatic as we we go through international. So I'm looking forward to people's responses <laughs> oh, on that. Oh, you tease, you tease. Yeah, yeah. I just I just got Dan's art for uh, for issue uh, seven, the ending of issue seven. Um, there's there's a well, the middle, almost the ending of issue seven. There's there's a Walter Peck scene. I don't think. Anybody ever thought that I would have a sympathetic, emotional scene with Walter Peck? But it's oh, there. Oh, interesting. It's, yep. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep our ear to the ground on that. That's call your be... call your local comic shop. <laughs> yeah. Today. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, if I recall correctly, uh, Toba's Spear Guide got announced to the world last September. Is that right? A little bit sooner. I, I was actually given the okay to mention it at Comic Con. Okay. So how 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 about well, how did it come about? As, as a guy who we assume is working about uh, uh, the same hours as Dan Shoning is and never leaves a coffee shop, mm-hmm. how how did you end up? Uh, because this isn't an IDW book. Uh, this is this is with Insight, isn't it? 
Correct. Yeah, Inside Editions. It was really as simple as uh, last April, maybe May, last May, um, my editor at Insight, Chris Prince, he, he just dropped me an email saying, hey, yeah, we're doing this thing. Are you interested? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, it really went from there. Yeah. Did you know them prior prior no. to this? Or? No, no, it was a cold email. So they, they knew you, basically, from the comic. Yeah, yeah. So that wow. Made, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he, he just, um, he, he figured I'd been writing Ghostbusters for several years, so I might be a good fit for it if I was interested, and yes, I was. So, um, <laughs> and yeah, so we, we were doing, uh, they, they were doing an art book, so, you know, I mean, art heavy, and a uh, little bit less text than I would have probably written. In fact, I know he edited me down. <laughs> I, I had a lot more words in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to overwrite. But uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's all good. It's uh, Kyle's, uh, Kyle Hotz's art uh, is definitely the, uh, the starring attraction of this book. And uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty it's amazing on, stuff. It's on, uh, yeah, it's it's getting the spotlight it deserves. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, uh, his his Sandman and his uh, Samhain, and there's so mm-hmm. many in there that are just like, oh my god, those are great. Some yeah. of those, some of those uh, those entries in there, I picked just because I knew Kyle would knock them out of the park. So Which, I mean, that's that's how some of the uh, I think I think one of the ones that I was I was excited to see. Uh, his his take on was Rawl from the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. The, the Warthog face looking one. I'm like, okay, Kyle's going to make this look great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's we, we wanted to cover everything. Um, the movies, the uh, a good chunk of the real Ghostbusters, Extreme Ghostbusters, the video games, and the comic book. Uh, as much as we could from all of those. And uh, so, you know, there's a couple of folks saying, hey, why isn't my favorite in there? Well, because we had 100 pages and there's a whole lot of good stuff. So some things is not going to get yeah. picked. That's, that's just, where you, you know, blame it on uh, your co-authors. Be like, well, you know, Stance and Spangler said they had to abridge it down because it, whatever it was, it was 25 pounds uh, heavy that something had he to go. He refused. He just wouldn't have it. Sorry. I really I tried. I'm sorry. Him. My hands are tied. See, I was <laughs> I was going to ask about the scope of the book and how it got decided, and, and Eric just kind of blew past it. So I'm going to go to the backup question then, which is, is of the stuff that's, and you, you even admitted you overwrote, was there stuff that got cut? And was there anything in particular that you kind of wished had made it, but it was just borderline? Yeah, nothing, nothing I'd miss. I mean, I really, I mean, I just, I had, I had wider entries. Um, what I was thinking the book was going to be was, if you look at the, the Vigo entry, where, there's a picture on the right, and there's a whole chunk of text on the left. That's what I thought I was going to be doing roughly for uh, for the entries, for most of the entries. Not you know not the one-page ones, clearly, but for most of the entries, that's what I was uh, thinking I might do. And that's not what wound up being. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got a little overzealous because I was having so much fun with the project. So... Yeah, it's not, cool. not really a bad thing. I, I have the same problem myself, Eric, so don't worry. I, I think I turned in 400 pages for a 240-page manuscript, and my editors yeah. were not too pleased with me. So, uh, yeah. yeah, see, there you go. No, I had a great, I had a great editor. I mean, the entire team uh, at Insight has been great. Chris was great. His, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, his uh, recommendations, his suggestions, his edits all on point made the book better. Kyle... Of course, talked about him. He just killed it on this book. And uh, the production, I mean, this is a pretty book. 
So it's, you know, I couldn't be happier with how it turned out. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing reading through it too, Eric, is the, um, the terminology is, is so in sync in tandem with, uh, with the ghost from our past book. Did you guys collaborate at all? I know it's different, different printers, no. different authors, uh, just in terms of your classifications and the, the exact terminology where did, there was no, no, uh, collaboration there at all. You guys just drew from the movies and the, and the, the context right. of the, mean, the shows. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't know about Ghosts of Our Past until, I mean, well after I was done. I don't know if Andrew knew about, uh, if he knew what we were doing on Tobin's, I don't think he knew exactly what we were doing because it's not like they said, hey, look what we're doing over here. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I I was working kind of in a little bit of a void. I found out about it later. It makes sense now that they had me do less text in this one because, I mean, everything runs through Ghost Core. And they know what all the projects are doing. So... Typically, licensors, they don't necessarily want the same things coming out, you know. So, we already have this text-heavy book. This is going to be an illustration-heavy book. You know, I mean, I, that could be what it is. Yeah, that's you don't want to compete with yourself, that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly, and, and that's a guess. So, I mean, it, um, it's, uh, it, all, it all worked out. He's, uh, you know, uh, mining the same sources, I think, as far as uh, the terminology and the, the class stuff. So... It, uh, I like it. I like it that it turned out this way. I like that it has this consistency, and I think that uh, the brand looks well for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how much did I mean? Just based upon that, because you did dive into real Ghostbusters, Extreme Ghostbusters, the the video game, the comics, obviously, which you've helped really develop. I mean, how much did you have to fill in gaps there? Because obviously, there are some. On some of these entries, like the the taxi driver ghost, you know, there's there's yeah. not much there for you to work with. So, how much did right. you get to come up with on the spot? Uh, everything. <laughs> no, um, what it was was we're we're playing this as uh, the movie slash comic universe. So, if it's a real Ghostbusters ghost, I mean, obviously, uh, a good chunk just because it ran so long, had so many episodes, a good chunk of really memorable ghosts, uh, fan favorites, are going to come from the cartoon. They haven't shown up in the movie or comics yet. Um, so I had to kind of tweak some of the, the backstories to make it work, um, just a little bit. And some of them had cartoon logic that didn't really work within the logic of the movie. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I would, I would tweak a little bit, um, tweak a little bit for that. Some of them like, uh, Cthulhu made it, made it through just about, you know, whole cloth. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I did a little bit of tweaking for that and, uh, Chris, uh, my editor, wanted as much as possible everything from the movies because when you look back at the movies, there aren't that many ghosts. Uh, there yeah. aren't that many, you know, I mean, there's, um, I think maybe out of all the stuff that was there, we didn't have the Titanic ghosts. <laughs> and That's the ghosts that, yeah, I just realized the ghosts they're that missing. flew up out of the subway. Uh, those are the two <laughs> that we did not have. And huh. I did I did have a nod to that subway ghost with, you know, the, the subway specters entry. So um, what I did, um, I, I wanted to have a good chunk of generic ghosts, you know, something that would be in a Tobin's, uh, in, in, you know, a, a un, a, an unabridged Tobin's. So that's how we got the section on with, you know, stuff with poltergeists and the, you know, haunted vehicles, possessed objects and so on. And then, um, you know, going on from there. But, uh, yeah, honestly, it was... Uh, it was just, you know, make make a fun backstory. If there wasn't one there, yeah, I completely made it up. I had a whole lot more <laughs> for, the, for the taxi driver since you brought him up. <laughs> that they uh, they said, well, you know, this you don't really need this much 
for the taxi driver. Okay, well, you know, snip. <laughs> so, yeah. And no problem. Can, can we take it as a kind of a unpromised, unspoken given then that maybe some of this material, both printed and unprinted, will backpropagate into the comics, perhaps? Um, well, yeah, I mean... Eventually? Waste not, I, want not? <laughs> all the stuff that I, that I wrote in there, uh, I wrote to work with the comics. So the the version of you know Sam Hain, for example, the the details that I put in there. If I were to use Sam Hain, that's the details that I would use. And um, yeah, so I mean, um, that's uh, I, and I did I did uh, I did think at at one point last year that we were going to sneak him into to international. Not going to be room for him in international, but I still want to use him at some point. So. Well, uh, so the the one missing element that I was going to ask you about, Eric, and maybe <laughs> maybe you wrote something up, but uh, the party troll from Trollbridge in Real Ghostbusters did that ever come up? Because man, that <laughs> no. was the one that I was holding out hope that he would have an entry in there. <laughs> no, no party troll. Sorry. <laughs> man, I was so looking forward to that entry. <laughs> oh gosh, see, and that's there's there's all I mean, with with you know all those Real Ghostbusters episodes. I was bound to to miss. A bunch of people's <laughs> favorites. Why is I? I got a guy. He has. Got, uh, he emailed me or messaged me on Facebook with like half a dozen or so. He goes, "Why aren't these in there?" And then he gave me a long reason, list oh, of reasons man. why they belonged in there and why they were, you know, essential to the mythos. And I'm like, I, sorry, that's I, that's on me. That's my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> So again, uh, it's, it's the abridged version. You can blame the, the other authors. It's, it's true. It's yeah. true. We had to, we had to make some cuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, fan response because this book, uh, we're talking to you. It's on the shelves now. People have gotten it through Amazon. Everybody's got mm-hmm. even that that limited edition uh, green cover, which Chris has. So mm-hmm. jealous. We'll have. We'll have. Uh, has arrived yet. But uh, yeah, what, what's the response been like? Because um, I, oh. I, I'd love to hear some positive response from the Ghostbusters community. Please, 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 fingers oh, crossed. Oh, it, it's, it's it's been uh, a huge a huge amount of positive responses. I mean, it's been eighty um, percent fantastic, fifteen um, percent. Hey, it's missing a few things, but I still really like it. And then the last couple percent, well, I could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done and, better. <laughs> and I, I want to say to all these people, I'm so glad you didn't because I <laughs> I got paid to have fun. Thank you for not doing better. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, and it's, no, no, I, I, I don't take any of that personally. It's it's silly too. And uh, But I mean, you know, when there's so much positivity and so much happiness surrounding the book, you know, what am I going to take a little internet grousing? Somebody trying to stir something up. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, that to me, that's how you should be feeling because so many people have wanted to do the Tobin spirit guide. Mm -hmm. I mean, since God, as long as I can remember, even there's like a French version that somebody posted on their own. They like self printed it. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you've, you've finally gotten to do, this is the, this is the ghost core of check marked stamped of approval uh, Tobin spirit guide. So that's got to feel pretty good. Oh, it feels great. You know, one more thing I want to mention about Kyle is, is uh, the design that wound up on the cover. He he put together as as uh, just kind of I don't know if it was an afterthought, but just something he he thought would make a good spot illustration in the book. That uh, that ghost on the cover, the the uh, 
the no ghost maybe, wraith kind of thing. The, the wraith, yeah. The, yeah. The, I, I'm, I'm like a, like a Victorian period piece kind of no ghost logo. My goodness, that looks good. I, I just I want everybody to know he gets all the credit for that and how awesome it looks. So yeah, yeah, that's super cool. I mean, again, the all the illustrations too. You know, uh, not 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 to have the writer on and be speaking so highly of all of the art, uh, but man, there's it's just it's so great. It's so pretty. No. Man, that's that's as it should be because I mean, it's like I like I said earlier, those uh, illustrations are the star of the show, and uh, when they look that good, how could I have it any other way? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you got to—I love that you guys got to flesh out what the uh, Torbs and Slores look like too. That was that was fun. Yeah, well, the video game got to the uh, got to the Slores, and but not the Dan Torbs, des- right? Dan designed the Torb for the comic. Oh, did oh, that's right, he did. Yeah. Yeah, oh so God. I mean, uh, so yeah, so that's those those are both taken care of, um, you know, before Kyle got to him, he had reference for those. So yeah. So uh, Chris, I think you had you had a bold statement that you wanted to ask Eric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I basically <clears throat> we were we've been thinking about it a lot lately. Obviously, having talked to Andrew Schaefer in his book, um, uh, your book by my reckoning, is possibly the most fleshed out uh, fictional uh, like movie book out there. So basically I want to leave it uh, to you. Did you, did you want to like put a, an in-your-face H.P. Lovecraft or something like that? Because like, <laughs> I think you may have surpassed. I mean, let's, let's, fair's fair. His, his has got a lot of good word mouth, but nobody's really fleshed it out. So you you may have skated into first place in terms of most real, not real, <laughs> forbidden tome. Well, take that, Howard. Hi. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you. I uh, it's you know, like I said, I I uh, I'm just giddy that I got to do it, and the response has been so great. People are having fun with it. Yeah. Uh, if if you know if they don't like it if they don't like it as something to read or flip through then they love it as a prop so I mean win win. I was kind of and to that end I was kind of wondering insight uh, tend not to to shy away from um, high quality editions and I was kind of wondering if uh, if maybe they were if this is doing well if there's any talk of them moving it up to the next level and maybe doing a special edition of it, like hardcover. Oh, or like or a leather-bound, uh, yeah. Human skin leather-bound. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, heard on what they may plan to do if it, if it does well. I mean, it has done well. Uh, after the early you know, Entertainment Weekly buzz, we, we got up to, what we get up to? Like 230 on Amazon? Oh wow! Uh, on, yeah. yeah, on all of Amazon. <laughs> oh my God! Congratulations! That's uh, yeah, huge. Yeah, no. So I yeah. was just like, I was, I was kind of, you know, stunned. I mean, we're back in the thousands now, but still. And um, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what the sales are. Uh, I don't know, you know, how many units they've moved overall. I don't know what their benchmark is for doing a, a different edition. I know people have, I've seen it on Twitter. People asking about specifically a, a leather bound edition a couple of people have asked so you know it would be really cool to see something like that and uh i know i'm going to see them when i go to san diego comic-con and i'm going to ask if they're going to do any other editions of the book or you know a sequel because yeah. <laughs> there's, well, there's still stuff to do you know price point is always usually based on size of run and i think actually there's a good argument to be made for even a low run 
at a higher price point solely on the the, the fact that uh, franchises around the world will all want a hardbound leatherbound copy to you know to to add to their uh, their uh, tickle trunk of uh, of uh, of props and costumes and etc. So, and if nothing else, you can tell them there's at least two orders sitting right here talking. Yeah, to we've got we've got so. two on the hook already. But uh, well, well, there we go. Knockwood that they consider it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Well, hey, I mean, Comic Con just happens to be timed for after the mo- the new movie comes out, so maybe you'll get that little bit of a bump from that, and then it's you can possible. be like, hey, right. take a look, guys. Yeah. Special so right edition. Now, two special editions, one for Troy, one for me, priced at about six hundred each. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and it's I fine. am thinking about it. You can sell oh, plasma, if you can, right? If you, can, if you can convince them to, you know, maybe bump it up to a hundred or so, mm-hmm. we're in. There's, there's <laughs> business to be done. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. I like I said, I, I look forward to talking to those guys and meeting Chris for the first time after right. all the work we've done, and uh, you know, just chatting about the book, and and hopefully I get to work with them again because uh, it was a great experience for me. Now, is this generally attending Comic Con, or are people going to be able to find you and? Uh, get your uh, no, no I'm, I'm, I am just, uh, I'm just generally attending. Uh, I will be doing a signing at the Insight booth at some point. I haven't got a schedule for that yet. Um, I will be doing, uh, I'm, I'm positive, uh, you know, one or two signings at the IDW booth. Uh, beyond that, I will probably hit the, the mass hysteria event that the Tampa Bay Ghostbusters put on. Nice. Um, but I have no concrete plans. One month in front of the convention, I have no concrete plans other than that yet. That's a good so, way to go into a con, man. Just like, it is. just let it ride. Just do it. It, it is. I, I've I found that the less stress uh, <laughs> that I bring to San Diego, <laughs> the more fun I have. It's just like, okay, you know, I don't have anything to do today. I am going to go walk somewhere. Goodbye, show floor. <laughs> and off I go into, you know, the wilds of San Diego. And uh, I've, I've found some interesting places and, and had some interesting times the last couple of years doing that. So it's nice. all right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, and I'm sure there's going to be announcements down there at San Diego. But uh, if there's anything you can tell us, what's what's on the horizon? What uh, in, in addition to the Ghostbusters uh, IDW series that you're working on, which everybody should be on a subscribe list to. Uh, what, else, what else are you working on? What can you uh, talk about? Well, uh, well, you know, I'm mean, I'm I'm midway. I just uh, finished the first draft of the fourth of five of the uh, the Back to the Future Citizen Brown, the video game adaptation. Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh-huh. I just I just finished that. I, I I snuck Dan's name into this one, so I'm playing with the Easter eggs this time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which I'm sure he will very much appreciate. Yeah, that's oh, funny. Oh yes, I said, Dan, you're in canon. You're in Yellow Valley canon. <laughs> you're there. Um, but I, I've I've got that. I've got. Uh, I, I just finished some stuff. Not that anybody in the U.S. will see this. Um, I, I've been doing some short stories for the, the Ninja Turtles magazine by Panini that sees print in uh, the U.K. Oh, excellent. Yep. Uh, I just turned in another one of those. And, gosh, I don't think there's anything else that I can officially talk about right yet. Not yet, I know yeah. that, uh, that Tom and I are, are noodling around with and this is not approved. This is just us talking in the same way that we did the first time. We're like, you know, you should do a sequel to the Turtles Ghostbusters crossover. That would be fun. We don't yes. have any ideas yet. <laughs> Please do. Absolutely. Um, Please do. You know, I, I think I think if we did it, uh, the, the, the idea would be to send the, the Ghostbusters over to the to the Turtles universe. For right. Fun. It's only fair. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I'm, I'll see Tom at... Uh, 
at San Diego, of course, and uh, we'll sit down and uh, you know see if we can come up with a story that we'll see approval in less than two years, which is about what it took the last one to get okayed. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so you know, well, and so, you're yeah, but, you're getting to play with all of these properties like you know Ghostbusters, Turtles. Uh, is there any property that you just want to sink your teeth into and haven't had the chance yet? Oh gosh. Um, I've been so lucky that I've been able to play with just about everything. I've technically written a Spider-Man title, which is, you know, my all-time uh, favorite over at Marvel. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I've got all the licenses I've gotten to write. There may be something else there that's not coming to the top of my head yeah. that, you know, 20 minutes after I, you know, hang up with you guys, I'm like, I should have said this. Oh, come well, can, on. can I throw this out? Can I pitch you right now, Eric Burnham? Uh, well, mm-hmm. I've got you. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see your version of Gremlins. I want. I want you to do I, a Gremlins book. I have a book. Gremlin story. I do have a Gremlin yes. story. I. I. Uh, I. I had been meaning at some point to to write it up as a spec script. I know that Warner Brothers is relaunching Gremlins. They they've got us. They've got scripts working on it. But I think they're just going to to reboot. Uh, you yeah. know, do the same story again. I think, or 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 something that's like a reboot slash sequel, like they did with Star Wars. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I have an idea, and uh, if if it does, I, I won't say it because if if uh, I can't get any traction with it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> please, yeah, just, don't I'll don't let anybody steal it now as an original thing because <laughs> I mean it's Gremlins. I could use Gremlins. You don't have. I just can't make them look all cool and reptilian like Warner Brothers has it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do have uh, I do have ideas for Gremlins that would be fun. Um, you know, Monster Squad would be fun. Dan and I talked about that at one point, but nobody knows who has the rights. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I think even for the home video release, they had a tough time trying to figure that out. So let alone yeah, doing a licensed product from it. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a snake pit that one. But um, no, there's uh, there's there's probably stuff that I'm thinking. Plastic Man would be fun as far as superheroes go that I haven't gotten a chance to work on. Oh yeah, so, Plastic be, Man. I could see you writing be, a, a Freakazoid uh, or two, but yeah. yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I I don't think there's anything I could do with Freakazoid that I couldn't do with Plastic Man. Yeah, well, that's also true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, maybe you know, yeah. So maybe not make Madman fans angry. <laughs> exactly. That's what I could do. That's uh, <laughs> exactly exactly. But yeah, no, it's, I I I really I really get option paralysis when I when I get asked that question because there's so many cool things that I could be working on. And that includes, I mean, when people ask if I have any ideas for original stuff. Yes, I do. What is it? <gasps> I can't think of my brain yeah, is overloading. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. But um, there's there's just a ton. I've, I've talked with uh, with Dan at one point about doing something creator-owned just for fun. And Dan says, I've got an idea. And I said, oh, hey, cool. What is it? And he tells me. And it is, I mean, when you think of me and Dan, you probably think of something you know, fun, a little bit of humor. A little, yeah. You know, he had the darkest idea. It's a horse straight horror. <laughs> I'm like, wow, Dan, I was not expecting that from you. This is. So I'm, gonna need I'm a little worried about you true. now. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to need some time to process this, Dan. <laughs> I, I wrote three pages and sent it off to him to see if he liked it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day with as busy as we both keep ourselves. But uh, it was it was just funny that that uh, that Dan had just uh, just a straight horror idea. And uh, I'm like, you, you, sir, you, Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I do. I worry about him sometimes. I really do. I, really I, do. I you know, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I need to, at some point, I, I hope to just, to be able to sit down with Dan when there's nothing crazy going on 
you know, when there's no deadlines or no convention going nuts and, and just, you know, get to, get to sit down and chat with him for a little bit because, you know, we, we don't get to do that very much. And uh, yeah. I like Dan. He's a good guy. Well, there you go. And and you let's know. record it. Let's put it on the cross rip. We'll have the, there it is. <laughs> you guys actually talking <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just take a flight on out to Canada there. Done. Show up. Hey, Dan, it's me. What, what are you doing? How do you what? know where I live? Why are Google, there cameras Dan. with you? Google. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, I was going to say, I mean, you know, creator owned uh, original stuff, uh, intellectual property that you're getting to play with. Man, I, I love your work and. Uh, looking forward to seeing whatever the future comes uh, with even announcements coming up here and beyond. Uh, we'll we'll be watching you very closely, Mr. Burnham. But, uh, <laughs> where, Burnham! Burnham! Uh, where, where can people find you to keep up with all of your, your new stuff and, and announcements that are on the horizon? Oh, easiest spot to find me is on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm on there, you know, I, I flip through as you know kind of a palate cleanser can get a couple of pages done go on to twitter for two minutes you know and go back and forth so that's the easiest place to find me and uh my user handle is just my name which is e-r-i-k-b-u-r-n-h-a-m eric burnham done one of those two words is usually misspelled if i don't put it out there so uh you know there we go (laughs) hopefully hopefully the spelling will will make it's not a c don't use a c don't use the c C there yes eric with a k with like it. Yeah, there it is and yeah you know so i'm on uh, i'm on twitter all the time just uh bouncing around and uh, chatting with folks so. excellent excellent well uh tobin spirit guide go buy it now it's on shelves and in amazon wherever fine books are sold but uh eric thanks for joining us here on the crossroad it was great to have you finally on the show oh man thanks for having me i appreciate it don't wait another minute pick up your phone and call the professionals go, go, go stoppers. stoppers i'm sorry we'll do it again we want to hear from you leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742 that's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Well, Chris, uh... What is this? Our sixth hour on the telethon. Uh, thank you so much for all of your donations. No, this is a long episode, man. John Fogarty's um, coming up next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go to the let's go to the board. Uh, no, but hey, thanks to Andrew Schaefer and Eric Burnham. Uh, it's Burnham. so cool. Burnham. Burnham. It's uh, so good that we were able to get both of them, both the in-world book guys, on one show. I think that's pretty cool. So. Thanks, guys. Please go buy their books. Super awesome books. Um, but uh, it's a long show. I got to throw to you for You didn't get final thoughts last week, so I've got to throw to you for final thoughts. What do you got? I had a middle of the show thoughts, which was, I'll kill you if you dump me. Does that count? Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, it wasn't a final thought. Actually, in a morbid way, you could call it a final thought. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Sure. I mean, it would be it would be just... my final thought. <laughs> Uh, um, this week, uh, boy, uh, quick shout out to the Ontario Ghostbusters uh, for snagging me a copy of the uh, the green cover Tobin Spirit Guide. 
Oh, nice. Was that the one that came out like in the nerd block or where did the green one originate from? Dunno. Different. Must have. Uh, yeah. And they were kind enough to, uh, did you want one? I was like, just assume yes at all times. <laughs> Is it a book? Chris yes. will take it. Yes. I will take yeah. it. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, that, that was a nice highlight in a week of amazing book highlights, to be honest. Um, but final thought, I don't know, really. I could tell you about uh, the gift you gave me and how I almost lost it. Oh, no. What happened? <laughs> I, I So for people, I got Ecto Cooler for Chris while he was here at E3. You almost yeah. lost it? <sighs> it's just, All right. So it's a flat of 12. Is that right? Yeah, it was a, it's 12 a 12 cans. pack of cans. Yeah. Which is amazing. So I got, a little old Canadian me got what even some Americans can't get their hands on, which was a flat 12 of the Ecto Cooler cans. And yes. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going to bring it home. I know some people here that will love it, that, you know, sample some. Uh, let's just say they've locked a particular movie, so I'm going to mix up some crystal coolers and celebrate with them. This will be wicked. Troy is the best. I love Troy. Thanks, <laughs> Troy. Troy's like, you're going to have room in your suitcase? I got lots of room in my suitcase. And then I'm like, not as much room as I thought. Hmm. Oh, no. Oh, so no. being fried and low on energy and brain cells burnt, because like, I was firing on all cylinders, because when you travel on business you no room for air like nail everything and i had everything nailed and then i'm like not a problem gotta pick up we're gonna hit some some toys r us and i got those uh the metal guys um what are the metal figures I yeah the uh uh were they the, the mega yes. something or others yes and i'm blanking on the name of them because we had so much trouble pronouncing them we even had yeah. somebody say for the love of god guys here's how you pronounce it now i can't remember the name in the first place went to toys r us i found the stay puffed i found the four guys i passed on the slime devankment and slimer as much as you know it's just i don't need whatever yeah uh and i'm like great i'll get something for my little guy and as i'm checking out i'm like they got they got a paw patrol bag like one of those like kind of like the the freebie disposable grocery the reusable grocery bags you get that yeah. style of thing i'm like great i'll take one of those perfect i shuffle everything around i zip up my my suitcase i put the flat in the bottom of the bag and i'm like awesome i got my laptop in one thing and this is my carry-on uh if anybody fights me for it my laptop is my purse and you let people that's your personal item yeah ladies with purses go on and they're one carry-on so i'm going on everything we get uh, beautiful afternoon it was warm you guys had uh, uh some some good heat and getting yeah, hotter. LA heat wave. Yeah, we hung out. We enjoyed that. We hit a whole bunch of cool stores. Pulp Fiction over in Culver City area. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, amazing! Because it's like forty percent off graphic. Like it was just a dream. Like the the trip was awesome. Got to see you. Got to see a whole bunch of people. Like it was just a perfect week. And this was perfect too because we've had some real squeakers get to the airport. Uh, hell, the the uh, Enterprise bumped us up to a convertible Mustang. Like <laughs> it was it's like it the was, perfect trip. All right, it was yeah. insane. Like if I had uh, lens steal my sunshine on the radio oh, constantly, no. it would have oh, been God. like it would have been too it would have been too much. It would have been cliche. Uh, <laughs> uh, taxi drivers throwing their spec scripts at us, you know that sort of thing. Um, we got to we checked in at Enterprise. We got to the airport early. We're at the right terminal. We check in. We get 
uh, up to the plus, which is you know not first class, but it's got you know, room and you get free booze. And we get to the TSA line, and I get halfway through it, and then I look at Martin, and I'm like, I have a 12 cans of liquid in my bag, like oh, I'm carrying there. No. And oh, he's no. like, what? And I'm like, I don't know where my head went. They're gonna make me get rid of this. So. <laughs> Again, just an indicator of how on point my brain was for the entire trip. I immediately went, no, you go through. We got lots of time. I'm going to go back and I'm going to check this in. And I go back and this is where it takes a a turn for the surreal because I talked to the guy and I'm like, I screwed up. I just wasn't thinking like, this is liquid. They're not going to let me take it through. Can I check it in? He's like, it's an open bag. I was like, we'll see, like tape it up. I don't care. He's like, no. And it's like, put it in one of your bags and we'll just wrap it in tape. Like, and I don't care. Let's just, he's like, it's got to have a zip. And I'm like, well, it's already sealed for shipping. Is like that enough? He's like, well, no. I was like, here, let me pull it out and show you what I mean. Cause it's, it's, you know, the cardboard flat and then the, the 12 cans yeah. and then it's wrapped in that heavy duty shipping plastic. It's meant for shipping. And I pull it out and I show it to him. And as I pull it out, he gasps. <laughs> he's like, <gasps> like up to that point, he's like, sir, just dump the beer. Like, he's just like, I don't know. You're an idiot. It's and I pull, this beer. Out. Yeah. I pull this out. And he's like, oh, and I know what that is too. <laughs> <laughs> and everything changed. Like he's, he, all of a sudden he's on board. He's like, do you have another bag somewhere? I'm like, no, I don't have another bag. And he's like, well, what about your shoulder bag? And I was like, it's my laptop bag. I'm not going to. One second, please. <laughs> so I ended up bo- going through checkout, like through TSA, and boarded the plane with a Paw Patrol bag with my 17-inch monster gaming laptop <laughs> and books and papers jammed into it. And in in my laptop bag was the flat of Ecto Cooler. That's it. I just Ecto Cooler zipped it up, and that's all they cared about. Oh, that was man. it. Oh, thank and they God checked it, 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 and it went. But like I said, it was just firing on all cylinders everything was going great don't drop the ball so many things to worry about and all i was thinking about was get it all packed up neat and go and never did my brain stop to go hey remember that thing that happened at the turn of this century, yeah right? liquid you can't put that through sorry oh, God. man you're lucky that that uh, airport agent was uh keen to the whole ecto cooler thing best part. that's yeah. the story i'll carry with me for the rest of my life he's a young guy he was like uh oh god i don't know mid mid late 20s mid 20s yeah. it's like i and know what I, that is i pulled that out and he was just like oh. <laughs> and i looked at him and was like you understand why i gotta get this back right <laughs> so so in the end yeah it was just complete nonsense but yeah i got it through it's uh it's here ecto cooler is universal that's it that's is. the that's the through line here so you've heard it uh, uh coke make more and keep making it for years it's opening doors Oh, God. Well, just think, it's proving there's a market. Keep making it. Yeah, absolutely. Why not do it? Um, All right. Well, I'm glad it made it up there safe and sound, and it didn't end up at an airport unconsumed. So, So uh, excellent. My my final thought is, thank you very much, and (laughs) I'm so sorry I almost blew it. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't. All right. Well, uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this super long episode. Another good one. Um, We are a couple weeks away from a new movie. That is pretty freaking cool. And I guess that's why the episodes just keep getting longer and longer and longer. 
Ay, 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 what are we doing? But uh, hey, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, write us a review, as you heard uh, in our voicemail section there in the middle. I'm going to start re- reading some of them uh, here on the show. So, um, you know, uh, appreciate you guys' thoughts and comments and feedback on the show. We'll, we'll start reading them here on the air. But uh, until next week, this is Troy Benjamin. And for Chris Stewart, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you all on the other side. Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. They used to be one of my two favorite shows. They're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Fastmaster. Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.